Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> we uh, obviously are not working on Christmas Day, but we recorded something. You okay, Blake? Blake's chair just broke because he's just break? putting on some. It, it, that's have... from the cookies, yeah, right? There's too much the butter cookies. in the cookies, and we apologize for that. Wow. Uh, we're not working on Christmas Day, but we do have some of the great... Um, well, what do we say? Great? Uh, probably not. We would say pretty that, good, right? The best of, and and Blake's using finger quotes to say best of. So some of the cool interviews that we've done, especially um, basically because of the cool people we interviewed, not because we did a fantastic job at the interview, but guys like Steve Heitner, you know from uh, from Seinfeld, John Michael Higgins, who came by just a short time ago, and we talked about his career and his new game show called America Says. Plus, a little bit later, we're going to be replaying our edition of A Christmas Carol. We should get more celebrities in here because every time they come in, they're awesome, except for Richard Dreyfus. Well, he was on the phone. Right. So if he was in person, do you think he would have warmed up a little bit towards us? I wonder if that's the case. Now, I think part of the problem with that, and to, to that end about when celebrities do meet us, he didn't have a chance to lay eyes on us. And I'm not saying we're easy on the eyes. I'm just saying that we're different than what people expect of us. Because if people hear us without seeing pictures or anything, they make assumptions about who we are and what it is that we – what we look like or what our hair is or whatever. Because whenever we go out and do an event, people always go, I thought you would be fatter. I thought you'd be more bald. Yeah. Well, remember when I was wildly offensive to Anthony Weiner at the at the conventions? <laughs> yes. I was also wildly offensive to Oliver Luck. When we talked to him, I don't know about wild. Well, he didn't like it. He didn't like the heroin reference at all. Excellent. Oliver Luck being the father of uh, NFL quarterback Andrew Luck. Hey, uh, one of the things that uh, I saw was the announcement during a press event in New York City that the XFL is coming back. It sure is. It sure is. There will be a team here in Los Angeles and joining us to talk more about all of this is Oliver Luck, the new XFL commissioner and CEO. Oliver, thanks for taking time for us today. Hey, Gary, Shannon, a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. So where is this going to kick off? Uh, how many teams will be uh, in motion? So there will be eight franchises in uh, eight cities, obviously. Seattle, L.A., Dallas, Houston, Tampa, St. Louis, New York, and Washington, D.C. And we will kick off in uh, February of 2020, in fact, the week after the Super Bowl, which is the week of February 8th and 9th. We'll be in Los Angeles at StubHub, uh, playing, uh, you know, in that beautiful building. Uh, the Galaxy plays there, obviously, the Chargers, you know, until the new building is built. So we're looking forward to, to that uh, that facility. I think it's one of the kind of neat, you know, smaller venues in the, in the country. So we're very excited about the new Los Angeles franchise. I saw the video that you xfl put out with you uh surrounded by uh former players other coaches you know former coaches etc talking about how to make the xfl different in terms of the product fewer stoppages simpler rules different technology for on and off the field what are some of the things that we're going to see that will be different that will improve upon the game that we see today 
Well, first of all, I'll say that the game of professional football is being played right now at a pretty high level, right? The NFL, I think, is as popular as it's ever been. The athletes are, in my mind, unbelievable. They're so much better than what, you know, I can remember playing against and with back, you know, in the 80s. So, uh, but we do think that we can we can do a number of things to make the game better. We think we can speed up the game, right? People complain about, you know, the length of the game. It takes three hours and 45 minutes, and there's really only 20 minutes of action. So we're going to have a shorter play clock. Right, instead of 45 seconds or 40 seconds, you know, we think we can have a play clock that's 25 seconds. I so, love it. You know, you see, you see some of those colleges that run their hurry-up yep. offense, and they just keep moving, moving. We're trying to create, you know, tempo. We're trying to create some rhythm and some flow, right? Because you know, all those stoppages are also tough on players. They'd rather play fast, right? Most people play better when they're playing fast when they get into that zone. So that's one thing we'll do. We're gonna, you know, shorten the length of the timeouts. We're gonna have fewer timeouts. Timeouts, and those are both, you know, sort of coaches' timeouts as well as television timeouts. A shorter halftime. If a quarter break is two minutes, we're going to do it in 30 seconds, right? And what we want to try to do is have that same amount of action, same number of plays, you know, that uh, sort of the high octane college offenses uh, have. Let's say it's 80 a game, but get that done in three hours. <laughs> so, so I got to ask you, uh, your son Andrew Luck having a hell of a season, by the way. Uh, is he upset with you at all for uh, starting this venture up again? Maybe ch- chipping away at some of the business of the NFL. No, he's not. In fact, when I when I told him that uh, I was having discussions with Vince McMahon, you know, the owner of our league, he said, "That's awesome, Dad. I'll I'll be your sort of you know quiet advisor, right?" And he's really been helpful in sharing some of his thoughts and what some of you know his his friends who are playing in the league what they think about various things. So, uh, and you know, by the way, we're not really competing with the NFL. No. I'm not sure anybody can compete with the National Football League. I love the NFL. It's a great organization. I was proud to be a player. I'm proud my son can play in the league. A lot of friends at the league and team level. You know, the NFL as a juggernaut. Uh, what we want to do is compliment the NFL and provide those football fans who have that void in February. You know, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I want to watch a little bit more football. We think we can build a business serving those fans. And, you know, serving those fans in February, March, April, you know, in, into May. As long, and this is really important, as long as we provide good quality football. I think that's that's great because the time of year that you're talking about is perfect because my depression hits in February (laughs) right after uh, the Super Bowl when you go into the dead zone of no more football and it's a very sad time in my life so it'll be nice to have something you know a little methadone to come off the heroin that is the NFL season. I loved watching Andrew play at Stanford. Uh, Smart play, great play, athletic guy. What's it like seeing your son battle back from injuries and have the kind of season like he's having now the Colts in the playoff conversation. Well, yeah, he had a rough uh, off season, right? You know, the year he didn't play, it was a long off season, and it was hard on him. You know, he really didn't know, quite honestly, if he would ever play again, right? You know, the labrum is a very tricky, you know, uh, part of his shoulder, and I give him a lot of credit. You know, he he worked his tail off in terms of rehab, and that can be, you know, mind-numbing, you know, to do rehab seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year to get ready for a season, but he stuck to the plan, uh, you know, worked his tail off, you know, very focused, and I'm I'm just, my my wife and I are just delighted that he's able to play. You know, and is able to throw the ball and enjoy it, and you know, kind of just have that joy of of competing, which all all players have. So we're we're obviously very happy, and you know, hope uh, they can win a couple games. They they had five in a row. They kind of laid an egg literally in Jacksonville last week, and uh, they need to get back on the winning track if they want to stay in the in the playoff hunt. But uh, we're happy he's back. Oliver Luck is the uh, commissioner and CEO of the XFL, and it's not going to start until early of t- early 2020, like you said, after the Super Bowl 2020. 
Uh, you guys still have a lot of work to do. What's number one thing on your list in terms of you're going to hang up this phone and you got you got stuff to do? Well, we've got you're right. We have a lot to do. We're taking all of 19 to make sure we design and start to sign head coaches and players, design this whole league so that we can come out and play good quality football to you know to attract those diehard fans. So, what's on my you know list uh, next is basically we're going to try to identify our head coaches and and, and sign them uh, in the first quarter of 19. We're going to go out and, and identify and sign quarterbacks. You know, much like the NFL, we think our league will be driven by the quality, the capability, the competence of quarterbacks. We will be no different than the NFL or even major college ball in that sense. So, you know, overall it's staffing. <laughs> if you consider staffing to include your coaches, some of your star players, obviously our team, uh, you know, staff people, our team presidents, team public relations officials, we're interviewing those folks. Uh, so it's really a lot about building an organization, which is about people. Sports is ultimately about people. It's not about tech, even though we think we have a couple of cute tech ideas. You know, it's it's really about people. It's, uh, that's the beauty of sports. So it's all about getting the right people together to, uh, you know, to kind of move us forward. Oliver Luck, thank you so much. Good luck with the XFL, the return of the XFL, and to uh, Los Angeles as well. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. You bet. And you can check out all the information, the big announcement, of course, from New York about the eight teams, Dallas, Houston, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, D.C., and, of course, Los Angeles, the eight teams of the reborn XFL starting uh, the 2020 season. You can go to XFL.com for all the information. You're listening to the Gary and Shannon Show. Yesterday, we told you a little bit about the uh, Cleveland radio station that was going to no longer play any version of the song Baby It's Cold Outside. You know... (sighs) Because okay, listen, my my feeling about this song has evolved. All right, I understood when the first date rapey allegations were laid down about this song. You know, I really should go. No, don't. What'd you put in this drink? You know, I get it. In a twenty through a twenty eighteen lens, it does sound a bit date rapey. But right. you cannot look at it through a 2018 lens. You have to look at it through the lens of 1953, a time when women were more demure, shall I say, okay. when hard to get was an art, an art that women used to their fullest potential. Okay. Um, read the rules, okay? That was after 53, but it's an old school book about how you play hard to get to get that ring on your finger. Listen, you didn't just go out and hook up with guys on dating apps, all right? Back then, you hooked up with a guy and then you married him. Uh, it wasn't the way it is now where women have a uh, power in relationships or dating or um, flirting or anything like that. It was a different time. And you had to play hard to get to get that ring on your finger. Um, you go through the lyrics of the song. And if you put it through the 1953 lens, you can understand it. I really can't stay. She's what she's doing is she's kind Baby, of luring him it's in. It's cold outside. Right? Yeah. He she's playing hard to get. It is a it is an art that is not around anymore. Um I got to go away, she Baby, says. It's cold outside. This evening has been Been hoping that you drop in. See, and there we go. There's another sign. She went over to his house. She goes over to his house, she smiles, they have a drink, she has a good time, and then she makes her exit because that's what the rules were back then. Mm-hmm. Right? So very nice. 
She I'll says, hold your hands. They're just like eyes. My mother will start to worry. Beautiful. What's your hurry? That my father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace roar. Code, my parents care about me. I really should go. They're expecting me. You know, I can't really stay. It's all about playing hard to get. Yes. What's in this drink? That's not that she thinks he date raped her, that he cosbeat her, or slipped her a roofie. It's 1953, you guys. That wasn't done. When you say what's in this drink, what you're doing is, hey, I am being overly friendly with you, Bob. Is this uh, rum it must or be is the, it sugar? It must rum. be the rum because I'm trying to stick to my hard to get game. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Maybe she had a curfew from what it sounds like. There's that too. You know, she, and then she goes on to say, I wish I knew how to break this spell. She's clearly into the guy. She's just trying to play the game. But what What about when she says no? And he's like, I'm not taking no for an answer. She says, I simply must go. The answer baby, it's cold is, outside. The answer is no. But baby, it's cold outside. The welcome has been. How lucky that you dropped in. So nice and warm. Look out the window. She's that's stoked. A, he's totally She's into dis- this guy. He's totally dismissing her pushback. Because that's the guy. That's he's, A guy is ruled by his genitals, right? That's the way he operates. And she's just playing hard to get. That's all this is. She's clearly into him. And maybe he just wants to stay and chat. All right. Or maybe he's looking out for her well-being because there's a freaking storm outside. There's that, too. There's that, too. There's a freaking blizzard out those doors. And he's trying to hold her hands to warm them up. There is a fire burning. Maybe he just wants to chat and have the company of a lovely lady that he plans to ask her hand in matrimony coming up in a month and a half. That's how it went down <laughs> in 19... 19- a month and a half? 1953. That's how long relationships last. Uh, exactly right. Well... You've convinced me. I, I think I'll listen to it now. Thank you. It's a dying art. Are you a fan of the you know, type? And there's something to be said for people who are going out to find guys to have sex with on Bumble, uh, calling out a song from 1953 on being date rapey. <laughs> all right. That is a good uh, Here's the other one. Tiger Tones is the all-male Princeton University a cappella group. And for years, they have been doing this song as uh, as part of their ongoing set. And you don't know why, but you're dying to try. You want to kiss the girl. Did, did you hear something? Yes. From Little Mermaid, where Sebastian the Crab is trying to get Prince Eric to kiss Ariel. The girl who, at this point, has no voice, you remember. She can't speak. Some audience members were offended by the misogynistic and non-consensual tone of the performance, including somebody named Noah Wolstein, who wrote in the Daily Princetonian an op-ed piece, and I quote, It's more misogynistic and dismissive of consent than cute. Oh, for the love of God. By performing <laughs> the song multiple times each semester, Again. the Tiger Tones elevate it to an offensive and violating ritual. 1989 was a different time. Women were more demure, just like in 1953. Not to mention They were, were going to throw themselves at men. Sometimes you waited for the guy to kiss you. Wait, but the song isn't even about the girl. It's not about Ariel. It's about convincing Eric that... She loves him, and, and hey, you want to kiss her? Nice, She's so pretty. She's nice right in front catch. of you. However, such expressions imply that not using aggressive physical action to secure Ariel's sexual submission oh, men makes can't Eric be men. weak. Men can't be men anymore. An irrefutable scaredy cat. 
Stop talking about Masculinity is contingent on domination of women. Oh, God. For the love. It's insane. I hope they sing it like that too. <laughs> That's good times. Someday Christmas men won't be boys playing with bombs like kids play with toys. On warm December, our hearts will see. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon on this uh, Christmas Day, very special edition of the Gary and Shannon Show. In that, we're away. I mean, we're with our families today. Which makes it special for all of you. <laughs> right. It's probably more special that way. You don't have to listen to us as you're driving around. or uh, I, why don't, I'm not sure if anybody's listening while they're opening presents, but if you are, more power to you. Yeah. I mean, we, um, my family, we sit around the tree and we, we listen to Christmas music. And my my wife is very specific about the style of Christmas music. It can't be classical, no Mannheim steamroller. She's not even a fan necessarily of like the Bing Crosby older Christmas. She likes it uh, new, original, somewhat folksy Christmassy songs. Okay. Anyway, but so like coffee house Christmas. That's that's a great way to put it. Yes, but not like not too bouncy and quirky. Not like making fun of Christmas Seems very stuff. Very particular. Very. Particular, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, but we also do this thing. Once we got married, and I, you hear this story on the uh, promos that we play on KFI. We, when we got married, received a box of ornaments from uh, some family friends, and with it was a list of traditional meanings for each of these different ornaments. And they're little glass ornaments; you can buy them everywhere. And we used we put them on the tree, each one of them signifying something else about wealth or health or happiness or whatever. And there's a pickle. And that pickle gets hidden in the tree, inside the tree. Whoever finds that pickle ends up with a special present for the day. So it's nice. So are there pickle hunters before Christmas? No, because we usually we will put it in the tree on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Day. Yeah. Oh, Christmas or Christmas Eve. Day, either way. So it's the last thing that you do when you're wrapping or unwrapping presents. I see. Yeah. And so everyone just kind of looks around the tree and scavenges. Yeah. And then t- usually someone knocks it over. Like a dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The dog finds the pickle. Well, I mean, knock the tree over like a dog would. Oh, yes. To find case, the pickle. Yes. Enjoy the very special Christmas Day edition of the Gary and Shannon Show. Well, once in a while, we get uh, celebrities to be fooled into coming onto our show. <laughs> they accidentally we l- walk down the wrong we lure hallway them in. in the building and we snag them. Yes. Okay. We're okay. like Somali pirates. <laughs> Steve Heitner is our celebrity today. Jeez. Steve Heitner of Seinfeld. He now hosts a podcast called That's Gold with Steve Heitner, Tall Tales, Sports Bets, and Other Vital Guy Talk. He even lets me on his podcast sometimes. And, and love having you. I just had to duck in quickly. There's uh, several Somali pirates <laughs> apparently wandering yeah. around here. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> no. That is the thing. She is the captain now. So I've got to tell this story uh, because I watched Seinfeld kind of casually through the years. I wasn't you a devotee. A professional? Okay. I was not a professional. No, I mean, you know, I know about the soup, Nazi, and, you know, I know the hits. I know yeah. the hits. Um, but, uh, I want to hold your hand. I, you know, yeah, I came in here and I said, hey, guys, uh, Steve Heitner, we got to get him on the, on the show. And Nick said, what? Our producer, Nick. And I said, oh, you big Seinfeld fan, huh? 
and he just got this grin on his face and slowly he took his backwards baseball cap and turned it to the front and it was a Seinfeld hat. <laughs> it was the it was the most theatrical moment yeah. Nick has ever had in his life because he's been waiting for months for someone, anyone, <laughs> to make any reference to Seinfeld, period. And he was just gonna slowly do that turnaround with that. Oh, you mean this Seinfeld, and, and he really played it. He really bow, bow, turned bow, bow. it slowly. Yeah, so I was pretty been... proud of myself. Yeah. You know, he also uh, he's already presented me with the jar of Ovaltine for me to sign, <laughs> which I, I always kid that you know I must be in the world record books for signing the most jars of Ovaltine. But unfortunately, I think I had that record at one. Like, who the hell has ever signed a jar of Ovaltine? <laughs> just you, Probably just me, just, just you. Me. So Nick, uh, recount the Ovaltine, uh, the Ovaltine joke for us. Oh, yeah, because Jerry was writing jokes for Banya, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, what's with Ovaltine? The mug is round. The jar is round. They should call it Roundtine. And then, and then Banya says, that's gold, Jerry. Yeah. Gold. <laughs> I love it. I can die now. Uh, <laughs> do you have any, My uh, whole life led up to that moment. Do you have any Seinfeld questions you'd like to ask Steve while we have him in captivity? Uh, do you crumble any crackers in your soup? Uh, no, I do not believe that. I cannot go to a restaurant and ask what the soup is. Really? Yeah. Because I'll ask, and they're like, ah. It's not a meal. No, no, no. I just want to know the soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's awesome. Is there a point where you just throw your hand into your... Your your forehead into your hand and just say, you know what, we're going to go somewhere else. You know what? The thing is that if I walk out the door, door someone's going to scream, that's gold, or soup's not a meal, right. or that stuff. And you can make it misery, but ridiculous. It's not going to change it, right? It just happens. So I attack it. Look, my podcast, I, if they're going to yell it at me, I might as well use it. So the podcast is That's Gold with Steve Heitner. So turn it into a positive. What am I going to do every day? Go out and go, stop saying that. <laughs> It, That's going to be good. That's a good is life. Is it still flattering or is it annoying, honestly? It, you know what? I think any kind of fame is almost like it's perfect coming from you. It's like being an attractive woman, right? People come up. Some of them are cool. Some of them aren't, right? Aww. So it's just like it, it, most people are cool. If I'm out, you know, I have to expect it. If I'm sitting there having dinner with my son and they're walking over, I know they're an idiot. I'm sitting there having dinner with my right. kid, you know? So yeah. most people are cool. Very good. It's it's funny to me. Nick is a full twenty years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Twenty years younger and knows as much or more about Seinfeld than anybody in my generation. And it wasn't even on when he was alive. No. I mean, it's it was on when he was alive, but he giving. was way too young yeah. to watch it originally. Well, I'll tell you a story about that. You know, I was, when I do stand up, I wasn't talking about Seinfeld, and people would see the show and they go, "You were hilarious. Uh, you didn't talk about Seinfeld." And I'd be like, you know, it was a long time ago. I don't want to feel like I'm holding on. But you know how sometimes one person says something and you finally get it through your thick skull? I'm doing a show and it was like, you were hilarious. Uh, You didn't talk about Seinfeld. So I went into my, well, you know, it was a long time ago. And he looks at me and he goes, it was on today. That's true. That's an excellent point. (laughs) Three times. Right. It's like friends. Yeah. It's just on. It's on right now. Right. Well, is that, it's just, it's great. Uh, Stick around. We have um, another segment here we're going to do with Steve Heitner. Uh, we'll actually talk about what you want to talk yeah, about. Yes, there's that. <laughs> no, let's talk about Seinfeld. There is also that. Hey, get that creepy guy away from me. Wait. <laughs> Nick, please get off Steve's lap. It's getting weird. Yes, there's a chair right next to me. No, Steve, please sit back down. It's <laughs> not a puppet, Nick. This is weird. Uh, the name of the podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. You can find it, of course, on our iHeartRadio app, among other places. But we like to 
you know, yeah, push cor- it. Corporate tells us. I understand. Best to ignore the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come right back to the Gary and Shannon show. Just a second. Merry Christmas. I We're talking with Steve Heitner. You know him probably as Kenny Banya from Seinfeld, but he's also got a podcast called That's Gold with Steve Heitner. You How can did find this... it on the iHeartRadio app. How did this come about, the podcast? Well, the podcast came about in the idea of uh, one, men of a certain age, where, you know, the idea is look, in this world, for me at my age, if there's a photo of me and I'm not surrounded by children, my wife, and grandchildren, I'm creepy. Right? There's no, there's no place in the world. That's not true. For a man. And, and our demographic has often divorced, plenty of dough, more and more time on their hands. I think it's a great demographic to go after. So it's called That's Gold, obviously, because, you know, of the line from Seinfeld. But also, we go after the gold standard of everything, be it, you know, travel, be it cigars, be it a chili, be it whatever it might be. And then we wrap it around with some uh, sports gambling stuff. So, because uh, I'm a sports fanatic, so we do it. So we actually have these segments. The last segment of every show is five days a week. The last segment of every show is something called "I Never Felt Stronger About Anything in My Life," and that's that bet the for for that day. I love that idea. Yeah, and then the you know next, what? We should start a, a segment yeah. on this show, uh, just like that. That is, yeah. Good. I never we'll felt that stronger about we'll anything. We'll and steal, the, it, steal it, please, right? steal He's it right there. Yeah. I you can't tell him you're going to steal it. <laughs> Jeez. And then we start the next. Uh, the segment starts every day with. What was I thinking? Yeah, well, I, I had, where we go over. Listen, I had this whole thing happen with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, you did. I never mm. felt stronger that he wasn't going to be a good NFL quarterback. Good call. And then the next day, I was. <laughs> what was I thinking? Well, yeah. and you, I'm still not living it down. So Shannon does sideline reporting for the Chargers. Yes. at the beginning of the season, I remember who it was you were asking about, but you were saying, "What's it going to be like?" Facing this stupid, silly rookie kid who looks like he's 12 years old well, when they played the Chiefs right he away. He wasn't a rookie, but it would be his first year in action as the starter. Pretty Harry much a rookie. Smith pretty left. much a rookie. Pretty but, much a rookie. Yeah. You could hear in the question that she asked, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. she thought she was better than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> well, I just didn't think that Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa were going to have a problem no. with him. Well, and I was a dumbass. You spent a lot of time on the sidelines. He has spent a lot of time on the sidelines. You might have been better <laughs> there than you him. Go. For a Thank moment you. there, there was a chance. Thank you. Uh, but you mentioned the betting thing. Do you think uh, th- because of the way legalized betting is sort of coming into professional sports, I understand that I think Major League Baseball now has an official uh, gambling partner yeah. as part of their thing. Is it good or bad for sports to have gambling involved? Well, it's already it's already involved, so it doesn't really matter in the idea of good or bad. It's not going away. It's a major business. And also, there now that it's legal in every state, and slowly every state will get around to it, a lot of people need to be paid off before things start actually happening. But it's already here. And there is an enormous amount of people that do not gamble illegally, right? They'll go to Vegas and they'll bet, but they don't have a bookie at the house, or they don't go on to an online offshore thing. So there is an enormous amount of more money that's going to be coming in. So whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's already there. So to me, I say, like, look, legalize it, tax it, you know, that's fine with me. So, And that, that's part of our show is that we're attacking that to try and help people that don't know what the gambling world is all about. And then really, you know, when you do a podcast, you know, like radio, you know, it's no pictures, okay? So it's all storytelling. So to me, what I love about sports gambling is the story of the bet. Right? There's 5,000, 50,000 bets you can make every day. Why'd you pick that one? And there's always a story, right? Yeah. Well, I got a feeling because of the offensive line, you know, there's always some crazy story of why you picked that game. And that's what I like about it. 
It's going to be so interesting when it happens, when you're at a stadium, you're in your seats, and you're making a bet about what's going to happen in the next quarter. Right. And I don't know how you protect the integrity of the game with that much live betting going on. Well, uh, I think one of the ways you, integ- you protect the integrity of the game is uh, already happening that the players are so pay- paid so, I don't want to say overpaid, but paid so hugely that it's not worth it. But to what them. about the officials? Well, that, that's why college basketball has always been the place because these kids are like, I'm not getting paid. You know, right. and so you got you to find the person that's not making the dough. And then that's going to be your weak link. So yeah. officials are always a, uh, always a consideration because they screw up as a, a lot anyway. You and know, so it'll really, just, I didn't see that. It'll just play into all the conspiracy <laughs> theories, you know. Right. Well, I, and we saw recently. I mean, we were talking about this in the game from Sunday night that you were at in Pittsburgh, where there were a couple of times when offsides, the offsides oh, yeah. should have been called and mm-hmm. wasn't. And right. then there was one earlier in the season where an official got fired for not calling false starts. And, and that was at the Cleveland Chargers game, and the Chargers scored six off that. Yeah, so I would, I would imagine that's probably the place that the leagues know that too. So right. the leagues are going to be the ones that crack down on these on these uh, refs and umpires. Well, I have a weird. Nobody agrees with me, but I I would get rid of all replay. I would just you know because then you go look. Uh, the game is the game. It's played by humans and it's it's refereed by humans. And just go. That's the game. That's the, yeah, but but that, that wasn't what actually happened. Doesn't matter. Then maybe you shouldn't bet on this. But they're right? so bad. I mean, it's hard to to make those calls in that split second. But your point is like the the bad calls are everywhere. You can't yeah. you can't you can't get them all out. You just can't. So then after the games, then maybe you can go back and look at the games and then judge that referee and decide whether he should be a referee or not. But you know, to me it's ruined all this sitting around. Just think about the great plays in football history, the immaculate reception. How long would everyone have sat on their hands while right. they decided what happened there? Right? <laughs> One of the great moments in football history is like, oh, let's wait. Is it a catch? Yeah, is that a catch? Let's wait. <laughs> let's wait. Let's wait. Um, I wanted to mention this. That's Gold is Steve Heitner's podcast, and That's Gold show is uh, his Instagram handle here. And they're actually doing a Festivus contest. Um, it's a giveaway, and you get a Festivus gift pack. Uh, 500 bucks. You can be a call-in guest on That's Gold. Uh, here's how you enter. You follow at That's Gold on Instagram. You like any of the uh, Festivus giveaway posts, and then you can tag a friend you want to hang out with on Festivus. It's so, the holiday season. Yeah, or you can go uh, to the website, That's Gold to learn how to sign up for the giveaway. Uh, how often do you do stand-up? How often do you get uh, out? And- a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I still do it a lot. Um, I don't do it as much as, like, say, uh, my bookers or my agents would like me to because <laughs> I have I have a 13-year-old son. Yeah. And I, you, you have kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to miss it, yeah. right? So uh, I, I didn't have him until I was older, right? I had already run around the world and been an idiot, right? So to me, he is the next adventure, right? I did that other stuff. So uh, I do just enough that I can get back to be with my, be with my son. Sure. So And then also I... Look, corporate isn't quite as much fun, but you make, you know, I do a corporate gig. I'm gone for one night. Right. Right. And there's more zeros in the check. And uh, so that's good. So clubs, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to be gone Wednesday through Sunday. Do you have any good uh, stand up stories? Any uh, comedians expose their genitals to you? Anything like that? Um, you know, you know, it's interesting. Your point of reference. Well, Louis C.K. Uh, it's interesting what you consider an, a, a fun story. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually well, assault. I, mean, I just didn't know about the world of stand-up yeah. until we dug into the Louis C.K. story and the crazy stuff that goes on with comedians on the road. And I, I do, I knew, I do know that you can't win. Um, I introduced, uh, you know, I'm not the host or MC, but somebody came on to do a, a guest set. I'm not going to name any names, and I introduced her as a comedian, and then I caught crap for it. 
Yeah. I'm like, what, what, what did I say wrong? It's like, well, I'm a comedian, just like you're a comedian. Why, 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 why do I have to be a comedian? I'm like, I, I don't know. I thought it was like a gender thing. I thought it was being nice. So I guess the real question is, Steve, why do you hate women? I know. Exactly. <laughs> See, she got you. She right. got, I told you not to look her in the eyes. I did. <laughs> this is why so, we never get anybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> please give me the pirates. <laughs> uh, well, this is just fantastic. Thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. Oh, you're no busy, problem. And this is great. Uh, th- uh, that's Gold with Steve Heitner. Check it out on the iHeartRadio app. Just download the app. Type in That's Gold or Steve Heitner with a Y, and you'll find uh, the all of the episodes there. And, and hang. And every once in a while, you hear this one. Yeah. Shannon yeah on and she's too. awesome. She knows her stuff. Right? Oh, hey, thanks. It's terrifying. <laughs> it is a little terrifying. It is terrifying. <laughs> Thank God. Like, easy on the eyes. That's that's something I'm not supposed to say anymore, right? Right? Yeah. How about that? How insensitive this, was that comment? This football vixen over here. That can't say that. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. We can't say any of these things anymore. All right. Steve Heitner, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. You can get him at that'sgold.gold and on the iHeartRadio app. Thanks for, thanks for having me, guys. You've been listening to The Gary and Shannon Show. The first Noel. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. On again, a very special Christmas Day edition of the very aptly named Gary and Shannon show. So I get a little nostalgic uh, from my parents' house on Christmas. We do our Christmas with them a couple weeks before Christmas, and then we can do Christmas with my husband's parents on Christmas. And um, the reason, I think, is because of the Christmas shorts. That's what we call them. Yeah, the Christmas shorts. As far back as I can remember, well, that's not true. Maybe circa 1991, when those big camcorders yeah. were in fashion. Like over the shoulder. Yeah, my yeah. dad had it in his mind that he wanted to start a new Christmas tradition, and it was to put a pair of Christmas boxers or shorts or whatever on the holiday wreath that my mom had outside the front door. <laughs> of course. Makes perfect sense. She hates this. <laughs> she thinks it's ridiculous and trashy. Uh, he loves it. Partly because she hates it. And every year on Christmas, what we would do is we'd go out there, we'd take the camcorder and then all the other iterations of the camcorder through the years. And now it's the cell phone, of course, and take video of the honorary person putting the Christmas shorts on the wreath. You do a little, you know, a speech. Right. (laughs) Uh, One year there was holy water involved, which really pissed her off. Um, But... It's always good fun, and my dad gets really excited about that. He doesn't get excited about the tree or the food it's or the, the family or the presents. It's the underwear. It's the underwear over my mother's wreath. Hmm. Well, with that in your mind and your heart, we hope you enjoy this very special edition of the Gary and Shannon Show. John Michael Higgins has joined us yeah. in studio. I don't know how Welcome. we got you to come back, oh, well. uh, but we did. You're here, and you look <laughs> Thanks, wonderful. And I we thought I was going like, somewhere else. Actually. I know, and we look like homeless. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, you look we fantastic. do. You know it. I know it. I am wearing a tie. I just want your listeners to know that. Yeah, a night and a handkerchief. It's nice, isn't it? It is nice. I don't think I've ever in my life worn a pocket chiff. Pocket yeah. square. Pocket, pocket square. Handkerchief. It could be a good it is. look for you. Really? The next time you do TV. I think I'd like to see you in a pocket square. That's not going to happen anything. That's because, you know, you're you're raised in a barn. Apparently. It kind of was. (laughs) You ever been to Petaluma? Is the barn in Petaluma? I have been to Petaluma. Yeah, that's That's where where Gary was raised. Is that right? Born and raised there, yeah. You know, I know somebody in Petaluma, and they literally live in a barn. (laughs) Is his name Bob? His name is not Bob. (laughs) But I, I believe she has a goat named Bob. 
Uh, there are a lot of people who live in some weird homes, old converted barns. Is yeah. it just a barn or is it a converted, like, it's a updated? Le- it's a legit uh, barn. Wow. It's a barn with, like, a, a giant turkey as tall as your, you know, goes up to your bicep, a turkey walking. Wow. Around. Yeah. Who's this woman? Don't ask. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Because even if you did ask, you wouldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Facebook, because this was we're on Facebook Live now as well, so you can see. Uh, Hi, Facebook. You can see John Michael Higgins and his tie and pocket chiff. John see? Michael Square. Higgins. Square. Pocket Square. Best in show, The Late Shift, Happily yes. Divorced. Mm-hmm. Great news. I haven't gotten a chance to watch that, oh, but I'm wildly curious. My wife oh, and I good. just Is binged it? both seasons it's of Great News. funny. Now, uh, I loved it. You played yeah. Chuck Pierce in that. Yeah. Uh, old school news guy uh, yeah. on a cable news network, cable news show. Yeah. Um, Nicole Richie mm-hmm. amazed me in that because I had zero expectation, no idea what to expect when she came in, when I saw her name on the credits. I know. She did great. She was great in A Simple uh, Life. Was that the show she did with Paris Hilton? Yeah, that yes. was a, a reality thing. They with... went around and lived in people's barns like your, your friends. Very much, yeah. And she was hilarious. She's really good. I tell yeah. you, you know, the the name sort of crossed my desk when I was doing this. It's like, gosh, I hope this works. I don't I don't she was a reality person and she's a, a you know, a daughter of a famous person. I don't know how it could it seems very Hollywood. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. A lot of things could go exactly. She shows up day 1. She's a, she's a full-on adult. She's intelligent. She's funny. She's really good with the lines. She's I was like, this is going this is paradise. I mean, I had tons of scenes with her. What's, what's that like to, to be on a set with everyone's a star? You're a star, she's a star, that guy's a star, that woman's a star. Well, in the best case scenario, which actually that show was, Great News had a very, very good cast, right. very close cast. But sometimes what happens is the mm, each one of those stars, incidentally, is, is its own, literally, a corporation. They are their own countries. You know what I mean? They, they It's fiefdom. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they... Often separate into separate corners of the of the uh, work site. You know what I mean? It's like that fiefdom over there belongs to that corporation, and this fiefdom belongs. You know what I mean? Okay. And so there, sometimes there's not. After a while, usually after many seasons, they there are these odd uh, demarcations and zones where <laughs> where, so the, where the where the fiefdoms uh, retreat to where they retreat. Uh, uh, in the best situations, though, like Great News was. Uh, it's just a very close, happy family, and that that happens also. Uh, Tina Fey obviously had a big hand in the show. She was on it in, the, in season two as yeah. well for a while, um, and was an executive producer. I think was the official title yes. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it reminded me a lot of Thirty Rock in terms of the very quick writing, and and I for some reason I love that style of comedy where there's so many of those jokes that are they're never even intended to stop down the scene. No. But but there's 12 jokes in one quick dialogue that's maybe 40 seconds long, and it, you almost have to watch it again to get each one of the jokes. Uh, that's well described. It, it's true. It's a, it's a style that television sort of moved away from, or I'm not even sure it ever did it. But, there, you know, the, the tradition is in the sitcom, it's sort of set up, set up, joke, and you have plenty of time to think about the setup, and now finally there's the punchline, and then you move on to the next one. And this thing is like it's so jammed with humor, like – you can turn off the sound and look at the background, and you're going to see a sign that says something funny, and then you're going to have to go back and read the sign, and it's something on the on the door of somebody's office, and it's you know it's one you there's a it's a it's a cornucopia of things to laugh at, Is and if like you slow it down, you can find funny them. Aaron Sorkin a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, yes, I mean nobody really talks over each other, but but there were just 
<laughs> the one that jumps to my mind is you're walking down the hall and you're talking with Carol. And you're you're saying, you know, she's the intern, the older intern who's the mother of one of the other staff members. And uh, you say to her, Carol, you're going to have to speed this up. We're running out of hallway because you're doing a walk and talk. And and then lo and behold, the camera switches around. And she's still talking and you both run into the end of the hallway. Yeah, bam. And then we it's over. The, like, that's, that's it. the end of the scene. I told her we were running out of hallway. Right. And then we hit the wall and the scene ends. It was perfect. Yeah, that, it's that stuff, you know. It's, it was delightful. Um, I tell you, it was a... Huge disappointment when they canceled. Uh, and Briga Helen, is yeah. that how you say her name? Yeah, uh, she was very funny in that. Uh, so also good. another surprise because I had never seen her in anything before. So, uh, but again, they did cancel it, and that sucks. Ugh. But, but it's still available on Netflix, and it's easy to watch. I mean, it's twenty twenty five minutes maybe per episode. Uh, two seasons worth, just brilliant writing. You did a great job. Thank you. It's very bingey, folks. If you really, yes. you, it's hard to get out once you're in. Oh, good. Because they're like that. they are fast. It's like eating. You know, it's like opening a box of chocolates. You to, just keep going. I have to hear that about a show. Like I have to hear it's as addictive as heroin for yeah. me to be interested. If it's not gonna, you know, be addictive and keep me up, and then I don't want it. You're right. I think you're right to do it. And, I, yeah, I think go- one of the death knells of a show lately is. Give it three or four episodes. Yeah. That's the one where yeah. I go, you know what? Me I don't too. Have, I don't Me have too. time for that. As soon as I hear that, I'm done. I, I stop listening. I know. And then if here's this. I'm going to print out a, uh, a flow chart for you to keep track of all the characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. I then. can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. John Michael Higgins is our guest. We're going to come back and talk about uh, the second season of America Says, the game show uh, on Game Show Network. I don't know how you're cranking out that many episodes of this show, but we'll talk about that. Gary and Shannon. We really shouldn't be allowed to have people no. in here. Don't have people. <laughs> Gary told me to be on my best behavior today. Yeah. Is, is oh. this it? Is no. This, am I observing that? Uh. <laughs> hey, Nick, my wife says we don't have any sound on the Facebook feed. She's an executive producer of the show. At least she is now. Uh, oh, by the way, my, uh, my daughter said to me last night as we were addressing Christmas cards, uh, Hey, you're having that guy in, aren't you, tomorrow? And I yeah. said, yeah. And she said, I still have the voicemail he left me. Oh, really? Yeah, we right. called. Remember, she was in I school. I do remember. And <laughs> yes. She still had the voicemail, so that oh, was very nice. Cool. She's in finals right now. so she's Yeah, in, my daughter's in finals, too. Yeah. As we speak. What a Never bummer. Seen, I I don't remember being. I, I didn't. I don't think I cared as much about finals results as my daughter does, but I never remember being. Uh, well, you had Chico State on the horizon. True. She's got like my, Harvard and my Yale. My bar was pretty low. John Michael Higgins has joined us in studio. Uh, I don't know how we got him back, but we did. <laughs> America says you are the host. Yes. I've always wanted to see a game show where the host can be uh, irreverent, mm-hmm. shall we say? <laughs> yes, indeed. Make fun of people. I understand. I understand. I'm not that person. Uh, no, actually, but you know, like they you do give me. Be. They do give me. You know, they like me to have a personality out there. I think yeah. that's why they hired me. But um, you know, the show's a nice show, though. It's you know, I'm very nice to everybody. I'm not. I'm not beating anyone up. And actually, it turns out to be better though. Yeah, yeah you know, but you're 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 2018 nice to people as opposed uh, to like late 70s, early 80s Richard Dawson nice to people, which was very which a is very like handsy nice to them people. On the lips. Yes, yes, that sort of thing. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> that those days are over. But um, I actually really enjoy the thing I like most about the job is actually interacting 
with I have eight contestants per show. Two teams of four, right? Two Is teams of four, and it's sort of my job to make each one of those eight people into a kind of a character. That you can sort of follow. Well, you have a great ability, I think, probably, and you can stop me if I'm wrong, but I'm complimenting here, so don't. Uh, you can have a connection <laughs> with anybody you meet, I think. I feel I get that from you. Uh, that's very nice of you to say. And I do. I think I was told by a GSN executive that that's a quality that they were hoping for and yeah. looking for. I think that's what, that's what the casting was about to some extent. Um, it is, I see now, it is exactly what is needed. It is most mostly what is needed, that I have to connect quickly with eight people in the space of 21 minutes and get their gig in 21 minutes, all eight of them, their names, what they're into, their relationship to the person next to them, their relationship to the game. All that has to be in play while I'm, while I'm doing it. It's very challenging and yeah. it's very rewarding. It's How a many lot of episodes do you do a day? I shoot, put your seatbelts on, I, I shoot six a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it doesn't last long. You know, I can shoot an entire, if you do the math, I can do an entire order of, you know, it could be anywhere from 65 shows to 95, 105, you know, that many shows in a, in a month and a half or so. Five, it's, a, it's ridiculous. Five days a week, you know. And the problem with that is that because I'm a human being and I'm 114 years old, um, Looking good. 1938. That's when I was. Stop born. it. Um, <laughs> I remember Christmas 1938. I'm sorry you missed it. It was a good one. Um, anyway, that that somewhere that uh, somewhere it was cold. <laughs> it was cold. cold that day, Gary. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, that somewhere in like Thursday, show number five, I'm just like. Uh, highway hypnosis or whatever, snow blind. Yeah. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm wearing a tie. You know, and, and so, you know, so in, I have four acts per show. So, and I got a guy, my producer's in my ear, right? So in a little earwig thing. So I'm like, I'll turn around and boldly call a contestant the name of a contestant that was two shows ago, which was not two days ago. It was indeed two hours ago. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I start making those mistakes. My brain just becomes a sort of a shot piece of elastic. You know, it's just not, it's not holding the pants up anymore. You know what I mean? (laughs) How did it it all begin for you? This game show? No. Show business. Oh, show business. Were you always a performer? Were you always... We actually have your mom in the room. I know. She's standing... She's sitting right (laughs) over there. Thank God you gave her a chair. Um, I was... uh, She will back me up on this, I think. uh, I was born this way. And there's there's not much other explanation for it. I was a child actor. I was a stage actor on... uh, on, uh, the. Uh, as a child, starting about nine years old, I was probably paid for the first time doing juvenile roles in in legit plays, you know, in, in professional theater. And um, I kept going. And I was really I really I consider myself even sitting in this chair, a game show host now, uh, a, a, a stage actor. It's really what I am. I spent 30 something years doing that. And then. Um, later in my career, I started doing film and television. Well, one of the things that uh, we'll take a break here, but, but one of the things that I noticed about you is not only the credits that, that we see, obviously the filmography, but also the TV stuff that you've done, but dipping into voiceover acting and even video game uh, voiceover yes. <laughs> stuff that you've done. So I want to talk about that when we sure. come back as well. And singing. All right, when we come back, uh, actor John Michael Higgins has joined us. He'll be here with us for a few more breaks. 
Hey, it's Gary and Shannon on this uh, Christmas Day, very special edition of the Gary and Shannon Show, in that we're away. I mean, we're with our families. Today. Which makes it special for all of you. <laughs> right. It's probably more special that way. You don't have to listen to us as you're driving around or... Uh, I, why don't I'm not sure if anybody's listening while they're opening presents, but if you are, more power to you. I mean, we, um, my family, we sit around the tree and we, we listen to Christmas music. And my my wife is very specific about the style of Christmas music. It can't be classical. No Mannheim steamroller. She's not even a fan necessarily of like the Bing Crosby older Christmas. She likes it uh, new, original, somewhat folksy Christmassy songs. Okay. Anyway, but so like coffee house Christmas. That's that's a great way to put it, yes. But not like not too bouncy and quirky, not like making fun of Christmas very stuff. Very particular. Very particular. Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. But we also do this thing once we got married and I you hear this story on the uh, promos that we play on KFI. We when we got married received a box of ornaments from uh some family friends and with it was a list of traditional meanings for each of these different ornaments. And they're little glass ornaments. You can buy them everywhere. And we used we put them on the tree, each one of them signifying something else about wealth or health or happiness or whatever. And there's a pickle. And that pickle gets hidden in the tree, inside the tree. Whoever finds that pickle ends up with a special present for the day. So it's nice. So are there pickle hunters before Christmas? No, because we usually we will put it in the tree on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Day. Yeah. Oh, Christmas or Christmas Eve. Day, either way. So it's the last thing that you do when you're wrapping or unwrapping presents. I see. Yeah. And so everyone just kind of looks around the tree and scavenges. Yeah. And then t- usually they, someone knocks it over. Like a dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The dog finds the pickle. Well, I mean, knock the tree over like a dog would. Oh, yes. To find case, the pickle. Yes. Enjoy the very special Christmas Day edition of the Gary and Shannon Show. Uh, we've been talking with John Michael Higgins, uh, actor, um, singer, <laughs> st- stage phenom, yeah, that's uh, me, child actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about sort of the beginning, how you got into this. Your mom was telling us off the air about your personality as a kid. I mean, the, part of it was that you were raised around all kinds of different people, and I, I wonder if there's sort of a uh, a forced training in terms of being able to get along with different people of different backgrounds etc because you're around so many different people as a kid uh i definitely think that's true with the um in in the theater and in the show business you, you find a surprising number of military brats i was one myself uh the skills are very similar you know as a military family i move basically every year you know so it's every year is a brand new gig and it's very much like showbiz you know uh, when you land in a cast on a show, uh, whether it's on the stage or in a <clears throat> film studio or something, you sort of get to know people fast. You become really close, and it's all very foxhole love, and you're all like, oh, we're in this together, and it either stinks or it's great, but, boy, we're going to do this together. And then, bye. See you next one. Hmm. Hope to see you again. Maybe we'll work together again. That's And that living in a military family is is like that, except you have this roving cast, which is your family. Your mom also told us that you were in the fifth grade when you wrote a play uh, all by yourself about being a tour guide through Nixon's brain. Uh, That's not just learning how to get along with people really quickly. That's like that's a sign of mental illness. No, 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 it's mental illness. (laughs) It's very intelligent at a very young age stuff. Except you didn't you you haven't seen the play, have you? You, you haven't seen concept, a tour through the, Nixon's the brain. The concept alone. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you. I don't remember much. I remember doing it. I remember my costume. 
And I remember speaking loudly to a large group of people, but I I don't remember the contents. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mine, I think, was just a couple of years ago, though, uh, and there were more, I think there were probably more margaritas involved than when you were nine. Oh, Uh, don't be so sure. No, 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 I was (laughs) <laughs> uh, so one of the other things that I noticed about your your uh, curriculum vitae is yes. that you have also gotten into the world of voiceover, mm-hmm. not just for cartoon stuff, but voiceover also for for video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is that was that a thing that you even envisioned possible a couple of years ago? No, because to me that seems to be like sort of a burgeoning uh, environment, sort of a branch of of entertainment. It is. It's sort of just whipped up like a whirlwind, you know, and uh, there's so much of that product out there now that, uh, you know, I've done a lot of voice. In my early part of my career, I did a lot of uh, com- uh, radio commercials and stuff, playing characters, you know, being in funny commercials. And I did quite a lot of that in my 20s in New York. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I ended up being a on-camera person doing scripted stuff mostly and... And then um, I sort of bumped into cartoons because somebody saw me in something, thought I might be good for this character. And then I started doing a lot of them. I do uh, Now I do a, a, a good amount of c- cartoons, and that sort of bumps into video games. And now the video games are a big thing. And these crazy, like that, whatever, like the new one I got. Fortnite. My, that type of stuff where it's like these, op- <laughs> these, these things like Red Dead Redemption yeah. or something. Now yeah. it's a news story. It's like the largest selling object in the history of the world. Right. And and yeah. the goal is always to kill as many people as you can. Uh, yeah. Make what the, the hell's going on? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not for me. I don't get it. I'm sorry, folks, but I do I do provide the voices for you right. for but, your education. But you'll take money off. I'll of take it. your money. Well, and and it's not just it's not just a one time. Even when I was playing video games, still 20 years ago, when we would play a sports game or something like that, I I would just think of the number of times that um, uh, somebody would have to read a line. Strike two, strike two, strike two, strike two. Oh, boy. Oh, all over. But now the games are so much more involved. Red Dead Redemption is a great example. It's it's like reading five different movie scripts because of the amount of options that are available to you. I know. Listen, I, I remember in the earliest days, I remember I did I did uh, Halo or Halo one, 2, I think. Anyway, uh, and it was one of my first big ones, and I remember just uh, the session was ridiculous. I had to say, uh, hello, how are you, or something, like 57 times oh, or something in different ways in, in case the player happened to take a step to the right or to the left. Right. I, had, I, I had to account for it with my own performance. It was incredibly boring. 2401 <laughs> Penitent Tangent. That was, was that my character? character in Halo 2. Yeah, well, you know as much about <laughs> him as I do. Yeah. So uh, I did also see, uh, to totally name drop, I was, uh, I was bartending at a party, and I'm not lying, was bartending at a party on Friday night. This is a great story. You're lying. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I, I didn't get, I, I turned down all the tips. People kept trying to tip him. They tip give him, him like two bucks. Yeah. And he's like, it's just my friend's house. I'm not... <laughs> I'm doing I'm it so that he can take anyway, the tips. Uh, but I was I around said. some people who are, I guess are working on uh, Big Hero 6, the series. Yes. And that's coming up, and I know you have a part in that. I'm in Big Hero 6. Yes, I play uh, Mini Max. I'm the miniature version of uh, Big Hero 6. And I, it's, very, it's a very funny character. And um, I just learned, because I saw a little piece. I went in for ADR, which is where, where you add, I think it's additional dialogue recording. 
uh, where we go in and we fix the fix the final print up. Oh, I wish we had that here. It, you guys need it. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, I learned that they kind of. Um, I was pleased, actually, to learn that they sped my voice up. Usually I take great pride. Like, no, 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 I'm a character actor. I can do anything. I'll do right. it. Oh, I'll, I'll talk faster and higher. Um, and, of course, I can't. And, uh, and <laughs> I'm a liar. And uh, they sped my voice up, and it actually sounded, it really made me laugh. I thought it was funny sounding. Well, I fell good. into one of those articles, or like three of them, if I'm being honest. Uh, five things you didn't know about John Michael Higgins. Oh boy! This morning. <laughs> oh god! And um, some of them you might not even. I, know. I'm sure I don't. And I wanted to ask you about the Barbie massacre. <laughs> Can we do that when we sure. come back? Barbie massacre. I remember that one. Sure. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. We're talking with John Michael Higgins here in studio. has joined us in studio, been nice enough to stop by, and we just did a lot of colonoscopy talk off the air. Yeah. So. Mm. You want to do it on the air? Not uh, one drop of Purell in this entire thing. No. Mm. I wanted to ask you about the Barbie massacre. Oh, that's right. Barbie when I was massacre. reading every detail of your life this morning. Is that yeah. creepy, by the way, when you're a famous <clears throat> person and people know everything about you, including the Barbie massacre? Yes. <laughs> I am sorry. I noticed that he's not making eye contact with you. I'm looking down. <laughs> Do you like how I scooted over and she, I'm like she's on getting closer? I can feel her like whole body heat, her body aura getting close to me. It smells like meat stick. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it smells, yeah, it's like Guys, salt. do yeah. not knock the meat sticks. I, I haven't. Did I? Did do you not. hear me knocking high the meat stick? protein. It's I think high, before you high finish. and a few other things, too. Before you finish the second syllable of meat stick, <laughs> he said, I'm in. That's what he said. That was very almost an hour ago. Now, all right. So Barbie Massacre. Barbie yeah, Massacre. Uh, yes, I. Yeah, some journals uh, pried that out of me with a crowbar. Somehow, I, it was a um, an incident that happened. We we are a, um, a cat family, and we had cats growing up. And uh, partly because of the Barbie Massacre, we had one dog. It was a beagle. His name was Bailey. This would be nineteen sixty-eight, nine, maybe. Um, and he, now you beagle owners out there might know something about this, but uh, one, I believe it's Christmas morning, um, I, we woke up. I love that mom is your fact checker. Yeah, I over keep there. looking over there. I keep <laughs> looking. Uh, we woke up to um, an unbelievable scene of carnage, and in, in uh, just a hideous scene of carnage in in the living room. My entire, my sister's entire Barbie collection, very large. Had been not only you know partially consumed and totally uh, chewed and and uh, uh, also regurgitated, I imagine, mm. uh, by the beagle by Bailey. Well, nineteen sixty eight was a trying time. It was a you know, hard the war was going on. The year. Zodiac killer. He was there. He was. We thought it was him first. And then it turned out to be our dog. And uh, <laughs> maybe we've been looking in the wrong place. Maybe, maybe this whole time. Maybe maybe Bailey was the serial killer. Possible. Who knows? And Bailey was. Um, and then Bailey, Bailey was moved along unceremoniously. Oh. I mean, what do you mean moved along? You that know sounds... what I mean. Like your cat Kevin was moved along. <laughs> well, that was different because Kevin was 
he was spraying in my son's room. Yeah, I mean, they, I had to get him out of there. Uh-huh. But so, I, okay, I get it. You're, we moved him along. <laughs> we I moved see. Bailey along. Got it. And my and on and then we're talking a good number of Barbies. Don't be. Don't put ten in your head. Up higher. Wow. Thirty. Oh. Thirty Barbies massacred Death. on Christmas morning. Limbs. Dismemberment. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Dismemberment, regurgitation, and several oh, other four-letter word, four-syllable words. Man. <laughs> so how mastication. Does, big how does words. Your, how does Lots your sister come words. back from that? I mean, micturation. Look that one up. Wow. <laughs> Go ahead. Look it up. You'll see. No. When she googles things in here, we all yeah, get in trouble. Yeah. Don't. Don't, don't Google that. Don't lead me it'll, to the Google. Well. It'll go on the on your record at the ISP. How's your sister? She's still recovering. Okay. Still recovering. 1960 is a long trauma. Um, do you? I, I can't imagine just looking through the list of things that you've worked on in the last even three years. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I know that there's a few on the schedule for next year. And we, we mentioned Big Hero Six. I think it debuts. Next year, it's not out yet, is it? No, it takes forever to make those. Things, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but that, but what else are you working on? What else is coming up for you? That uh, there's, a, I always have a lot of lo- like voiceover things, but I lose track of them. Yeah. You know, it's it's as as you know, it's hard. You just like that, you you get called. For we a, get so many jobs. Oh my gosh, I lose track. Do you lose track? The phone won't stop ringing. Do you remember what you said on this very show last Wednesday? No. See, <laughs> I told you. She wasn't on last Wednesday. Oh, well, no. that would explain so, it. Was it last Wednesday? Yeah, she you was were out coming. buying meat sticks. She was in Kansas City at the time. Yeah, Kansas a lot City. of meat. A lot of meat sticks mm-hmm. in Kansas City. You betcha. Is this whole thing about... <laughs> is this whole thing talking about meat sticks just on the edge? Are we really close to getting fired? I don't know. But you know what? The possible. whole company is at the holiday party. They left us yeah, out, and this care. is what they get. Listen, you know what? I'm going to talk about these hosts like they're not here. I, I have, I'm looking at their wall, and there is a sign on their wall that, yeah. says, that says, um, do not tell Gary and Shannon that everyone is having a meeting and a party without them, which is true. There is a Christmas party going on in the building. They are not invited. No. They're uh, in here. But Somebody... you were so much better than any sort of party. Oh, that's so nice. One I'm totally, uh, incidentally, totally going to the party without you. <laughs> <laughs> One of our moles did send us a picture of what, what the party looks like. Whoa, that's and in nice. All, in all honesty, it's just... It's a meeting. It's in a theater With and a everyone's sitting in the chairs. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> they are... I mean, in terms of a party, I think that may be... Pushing the limits of the actual definition of the word party. It's an odd hour for a party. Mm-hmm. That's the other part well, about it. And you know we figured why? that's the only reason they did it at 11 is so that we couldn't go. That <laughs> and people aren't going to get liquored up and start groping each other and then get fired in lawsuits. Well, you know what? There may be something to that. Yeah. This is like avoiding all torts. Nobody gropes I, anyone I'll at 11 a.m. <clears throat> I've tried. <laughs> Lord knows, <laughs> we Lord have knows. Tried. Well, we have tried. Uh, season two of America Says on yes. Game Show Network every weeknight, nine p.m. You can check out John Michael Higgins. And pl- key of that game is not just to watch it; it's to play along. I mean, shout out the words as people are trying to come up. You with will, them. you will not be able to help yourself. I do know yeah. this about the show because I am myself guilty of it. I am literally clapping my hand over my mouth while I'm hosting it, yeah, so as not to shout out the answer. <laughs> 
it's pumpkin, you idiot. You know, that's where that's and it turns out to be pomegranate, of course. It's not pumpkin. <laughs> it's soju, but I know. I don't know the answers. Well, uh, check out where the Game Show Network is on your cable or direct TV or satellite or however you find it. Uh, you can find old episodes online as well at Game Show Network at gsntv.com. Thank you so much for stopping oh, by. Again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Always um, nice to be here. So much fun. You're listening to The Gary and Shannon Show. Santa Claus is coming to town He's making a list He's checking it twice He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice Santa Claus is coming to town He sees you when you're sleeping Hey, it's Gary and Shannon on again a very special Christmas Day edition of the very aptly named Gary and Shannon show. So I get a little nostalgic uh, from my parents' house on Christmas. We do our Christmas with them a couple weeks before Christmas, and then we can do Christmas with my husband's parents on Christmas. And um, the reason, I think, is because of the Christmas shorts. That's what we call them. Yeah, the Christmas shorts. As far back as I can remember, well, that's not true. Maybe circa 1991, when those big camcorders yeah. were in fashion. Like over the shoulder. Yeah, my yeah. dad had it in his mind that he wanted to start a new Christmas tradition, and it was to put a pair of Christmas boxers or shorts or whatever on the holiday wreath that my mom had outside the front door. <laughs> of course. Makes perfect sense. She hates this. She thinks <laughs> it's ridiculous and trashy. Uh, he loves it, partly because she hates it. And every year on Christmas, what we would do is we'd go out there, we'd take the camcorder and then all the other iterations of the camcorder through the years. And now it's the cell phone, of course, and take video of the honorary person putting the Christmas shorts on the wreath. You do a little, you know, a speech. Right. Uh, one year there was holy water involved, which really pissed her off. Um, but it's always good fun. And my dad gets really excited about that. He doesn't get excited about the tree or the food it's or the, the family or the presents. It's the underwear. It's the underwear over my mother's wreath. Hmm. Well, with that in your mind and your heart, we hope you enjoy this very special edition of the Gary and Shannon Show. Medieval times and 2018 do not gel together. Well... The company's corporate leaders began planning the change two years ago, they say, before the Me Too movement. Their script at 10 locations in North America at medieval times has been changed. Yeah, in, instead of the king and his princess presiding over the joust and the lord from the neighboring kingdom asking for the princess's hand in marriage... And the king answering on behalf of his beautiful princess. That's That doesn't do it now. No. The, the princess now has a voice. Apparently we can't have princess stories anymore. No. Nobody wants a princess story. I want Is a that, princess. No, you don't. You don't want a princess story. I think story. they're nice. I think Wonder Woman stories are nice. And I think princess stories are nice. And I don't think that you should have to choose between the two. Actually, you, to be technical, you know, the Wonder you, Woman story is a prince story. Can't you? That's her name, Diana Prince. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Can't you, let's go back to the genderbred person for a minute. You want me to pull him back up so we know what he's looking at? Can't you enjoy a Wonder Woman story and a princess story? Can't you be a woman who appreciates both of those storylines? Can't you just be somebody who appreciates a story? Exactly, my point. 
Uh, the script has changed. If you haven't been to Medieval Times anytime recently, the script has changed. So instead of the king and his princess and the knight and they it's fight, it's all blah, presided blah, blah. over by Donna Maria Isabella, modeled after a Spanish queen, even though she has a Portuguese title and speaks with a British accent. Okay, time out, time out, time out, time out. Such appropriation. Uh the the person, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna assign a gender because I don't know how Mora identifies. The person who wrote this article is already offended by things like names and titles and somebody in a dinner theater who speaks with a British accent. So let's just let's just use that as the jumping off point for why someone gets so butthurt about medieval times. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this writer does not like the fact that some women who serve the food and drinks are called wenches. What? Writing, in some ways, medieval times is still in the dark ages. <laughs> I love it. I love it how she used the term medieval. I'm sorry. You don't know if it's she. You're right. Gosh darn it. I need some sort of a... Ge- Blake... Think of something that would be a gender pronoun warning system that if I were to say an inappropriate she or an inappropriate he assigning a specific pronoun to somebody who I don't know, that I would be warned. Wait, prior to you doing it? No, no. If you catch me doing it. Oh, why can't we have the microaggression, microaggressive chimp come back? Uh, I suppose we could, but... I just don't want to... Appro- that's that's kind of triggering to some people. I just don't want to appropriate microaggressions. Right. Or is that a macroaggression? Yeah, see, it could it be a be, macro for some people. You don't know. Totally you don't know what you're dealing with. Point. All right, um, it's just anyway. the aggressive chimp. So the women who serve food and drinks are called wenches. They wear corset-like uniforms. She or he, or they write, It's just part of the job, said one wench. Some of the men want to call me that. They're like, grab me a beer, wench. It's in a playful way. Other wenches, she writes, weren't as agreeable. Yeah. I it's get a it. little degrading, said a gift shop wench. Uh, can you say that? Why do you apply for a job if you already think the title is degrading though? If you if the if the job is to wear a corset and be called a wench and you don't like it, then don't apply for the job. Right? Yeah. Like well, I think people who go to the Renaissance Fair know what they're getting into. Let me ask a question about going to see something like this. Do you believe that there should be <laughs> the whole idea? See, here's the there thing. should be knights who are more feminine. No, here's the whole thing about going to a place called Medieval Times. You're going to a show about Medieval Times. Okay, now you're wait not going to 2018 to watch jousting. Right. You're going back in time. So shouldn't we keep everything intact the way it was? This writer except, gets upset when the knight, when the knights of her court, hand out flowers to women in the audience. Yes, except, apparently you cannot hand out flowers to women anymore. That is, uh, that is a Me Too violation. Channeling you keep Jim your Carrey flowers here. for yourself. They did not have handing Pepsi out, and Diet Pepsi in medieval times. Handing out because flowers. You still get to, Wait, but, you're an, but you're an audience of that time era. Like that, you're right. you're you're, you're a, it's very interactive. But that's what I'm, but you're have breaking, you seen Cable Guy? It's breaking the wall into so you can have like an eye into it. 
What? Okay, so we're all just going to serve everyone mead. All the seventh graders there on their on their field trips just get to drink a bunch of mead. And- Everybody knows the drinking age was twenty four. I mean, in the you, med- listen. Times. You don't have to be a stickler for the rules, Hoffman, and say no, it I- should all be by the book. It should all be, but no, it's the show that you're there for. It's the jousting. It's the whole theatrics with the princess and the king and the knights. And the fact that she takes issue with the knights handing out flowers to women in the audience is troubling to me. It's one thing to take issue with the corsets and the wench title, fine. But if you're going to go down the road of saying men can't give women flowers anymore because it makes women seem weaker or something, that's insane. Well, I have a question to ask, and I'll ask it when we come back, about this sort of a thing. Because it's not just medieval times. There are changes afoot in other great stories that we've heard of because they have what I don't even know if you could use the word traditional gender roles in it, but that that has become a bad thing. And I, I have a question about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. See, you're the one. Now you're the one who's upset. Well, about you've all been it. obsessed with genders all day, and now it's ab- upsetting me. I mean, not your obsession, but that story upset me. <laughs> I don't understand if we're doing a show about medieval times. Right. Why we can't keep it about, I don't know, the freaking medieval times. All right. I'm going to write down my question right here, and I'm going to ask it when we come back. I'm in deep with this girl, but she's out of my mind. She's not complicated. Gary and Shannon. Welcome to Medieval Times. I'll be your serving lunch, Melinda. Might I fetch you something from the barkeep? Dost have thou a mug of ale for me and me mate? He has been pitched in battle for a fortnight and has a king's thirst for the frosty brew thus thou might have for thus. I'll be right back, my lord. My thanks to ye, fair wench. Welcome to a magnificent journey into the past. This is medieval times! Can I get a knife and pork? There were no utensils in medieval times, hence there are no utensils at medieval times. Would you like a refill on that Pepsi? There were no utensils, but there was Pepsi? Dude, I got a lot of tables. We're talking about medieval times, and for the first time in a long time, they have a queen. So they have the queen who is the head of the show, basically, but and she makes all the calls, but there is a writer for the Washington Post who may be a... I don't, sorry, I don't know. I don't know how Mara identifies, but Mara is very upset that it, there are still some very entrenched gender roles at medieval times. Here's my question. Who assigned this story is my question. <laughs> who at the Washington Post said, hey, who haven't we taken down with this Me Too movement? Who's... Whose business have we not infiltrated with this uh, agenda to, to make sure that that women are not seen as lesser than in every in every different area of life? Oh, I hey, somebody in that meeting's like, oh, let's see, well, it's infiltrated pretty much everything. But you know, there is that medieval times show in right. Anaheim. Yeah, we gotta get that. Linda, I'll tell you who. Linda Mitchell. She is the president of the Society for Medieval Feminist Scholarship. Stop it. And a professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And I quote, 
It's just another form of objectification, isn't it? To claim that putting a woman on a pedestal gives her power just means that she's standing somewhere where she can't get down without help. What? What is the value? I think there is some. But what is the value of changing the genders of characters in stories like this? Medieval times itself didn't change. The story did. The story went from a king basically having uh, the say over who his uh, daughter, the princess, marries, has changed to a queen. And the queen having control over her queendom. Because you can't say kingdom. Why even have historical fun things like this if you're not going to stick to the script of history? You know, and, and, well, and furthermore, if Lin- you want to introduce a plot where there's a queen and, and not a king, fine, work it in, but don't change the entire thing. Yeah, I, and they didn't. But Linda Mitchell, again, president of the Society for Medieval Feminist Scholarship, you may want to look into joining that club. It sounds like an absolute blast. She says things like the word wench was insulting was insulting then just as it would be insulting now. And that's an insult that's thrown around by everyone who works at medieval times, basically. She said, she's never been to medieval times, of course, because, quote, I try to avoid things like that. Another uh, article from Mora, uh, another latest article, is the new Starbucks juniper latte tastes like one too many gin and tonics. It's in the Washington Post. Yes. What are they doing? Two words will tell you everything about Thanksgiving novelty snacks. Gravy candy. I know what's happening with Mora right now. This is what's happening with Mora. Mora has a degree in journalism from George Washington University. She was a fellow, a journalism fellow for USC. Mm-hmm. Mora's been stuck covering food like Starbucks and the new Juniper Latte and uh, gravy candy. And uh, let's see, a new easy-to-peel avocado. Mora is better than this. Mora wants to advance to the better assignments. So she took her little story about medieval times and decided to make it a bigger story than it was, right? Make it a bigger issue so she can work her way up the, uh, the ladder there in the newsroom. That's what this is. Well, let me ask and you. And I get it. Let me ask you. And I, I, We've again. all done that. We've all, we all have to work our way out of those crap stories to be taken more seriously in the newsroom. Start calling We've some all of your been own there. shots. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what is the value, though, of changing the gender of characters in stories like this? And it's not just gender, because you can ask the question different because, ways. Uh, well, because women get to be the boss in right. this version of events, and all little girls should realize that they can grow up and be the boss. Right. And that's if you change the gender of a character. Yes. What if you change the race of a character? And fictional... Characters. Then whatever race the little child is, they see themselves in that character and realize that they get to grow up and be the boss. And what if you changed the location of a specific story, which at that point would be sort of the ethnicity, perhaps, of the characters of a story? Um, probably not much. No, but, but you would be able to see, like, for example, if you do like the inner city version, then, you know, all those big castles and stuff, those happen out in the country. And you might think if you grow up downtown, yes, that it's, it's different there. West side story versus Romeo and Juliet. Right. Exactly. So there's, there's, there can be a value to this. There can be a value to changing, altering stories like this to make them appeal to a different audience. Right. 
But what I don't understand is why Mara feels like you get to attack medieval times. Well. Because they still do things like hand out flowers to women. Yeah, that's that's too far. That's too far. But uh, I I see what she's doing there. And you know what? We wouldn't be talking about her story about the medieval times if she did not go that far. (laughs) Well, in that case, Mora. Um, hey, you were a young reporter too. One point, be nice. A story about medieval times. And be nice. I just feel bad for her. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. You. Tide cows being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Oh, there is a, yeah, a new poll shows that more Americans favor familiar Christmas carols over recent Billboard hits. Longtime classics and recent comedies are the most preferred to watch during the holiday season. The Associated Press uh, Nork Center for Public Affairs Research found 12% of Americans named Silent Night as their favorite holiday song. Interesting. An old version of it, like Bing Crosby, sort of a silent night. Not necessarily pentatonics or something. And then the, dis- uh, the poll showed that the top holiday film of all time, what would you guess? Top holiday film all time. It's not a Christmas carol, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Top holiday film. It's all not time. love, it's not, actually. It's not love, actually, and it's not Elf. I would say it is. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Yes, well, it's a Wonderful Life from 1946. Great movie. Remember. All right, you can, Oscar. You can throw that little bag there and keep that door open if you want. Welcome, cast members. Oh my gosh, it's like a party in here. You know what? I'm a little bit nervous. I'm About like what? looking through this script, and you know how you put on plays and stuff when you're in grade school. Yeah. I think I've only had maybe one or two lines, ever. Yeah. And I have more this time. You do because it's I'm important. Nervous. You're Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. Right. All right. Uh, so I don't know why necessarily, but we decided that we would try to fill up our last uh, show before the holiday with fluff. And what better way than to do it with a Christmas Carol? That's not true. You had this great idea to you. You were thinking about maybe doing "It's a Wonderful Life," right? And doing our style of that uh, that production. Or a Christmas Carol because you had your creative juices running in your brain and you wanted to uh, write something special for the show and you did, and I don't think it's fluff at all. I think it's a script full of laughter and happiness and creativity. Thank you, but you left out one word there. Genius. Yes, genius. And genius. And genius. Um, so we're going to start this in just a few minutes. And the plan is, by the way, uh, some of the people in management asked me how long this is going to be, mm-hmm. and my answer was. I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, it's supposed to time out perfectly. We have music. We have sound effects. But I wanted to go through and I wanted to say, I mean, just mention some of the people that are going to be in A Christmas Carol with us starting in a few minutes. And the first is uh, sort of steering us through all of uh, all of what we're going to hear is our narrator, John Considine. Hello. Hi, John. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm Hi. super excited. You. Thank you for, uh, for doing this. Uh, you are the perfect friend to take our hands and wend our way through this tale (laughs) not only do i feel safe in john's hands but his voice is very soothing hey i know how to cast him don't i 
You do. You do. Uh, you really dare do. Dare I say genius? Uh, well, if you read the card that I gave you, yes, you could say genius. <laughs> you, of course, are going to play Ebenezer Scrooge, but we're just going to call you Shannon Scrooge for the course of the play. Yes. Uh, Blake in the other room has been rehearsing for weeks now. He is playing Indeed. the part of what you would normally consider Bob Cratchit, but in this case will be Blake Cratchit. Yep. And in a weird twist of fate, you'll also be playing Tiny Tim. I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that already. Uh, so that's, that's coming up. Uh, Nick Viverka's in the show. He's going to be playing uh, what would be Scrooge's nephew, Nick. Yes. Nick does Excellent. remind me a lot of my nephew, one of my nephews. Well, good. Yeah. Um, I don't Thank know you. if he ever actually in this play invites you to dinner, but that's the point of him visiting the uh, the studio later on. Um, I get to play. Well, I'll explain who the uh, one of the solicitors is that contacts Scrooge in that first uh, first chapter. But I also get to play the ghost of Marley, and then the ghost of Christmas Past is going to be portrayed by our former producer and current. What would you call you? I call him Big Time Oscar now. Big Time Oscar. Yeah. Oscar Ameris is in town, so. Yeah. Uh, then uh, a program director, which will make its perfect sense later, is Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, who's in here as well. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for coming in on your day off. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present, this is important because Carol Light, Carol actually bid on and won the opportunity to come in and do the show with us today. Uh, she made a generous donation to Katarina's Club, so Carol, thank you for that. Uh, Carol brought in her son. Uh, we get to meet Blake Cratchit's parents, uh, Pam and John Cratchit, played by Christina and Dean Sharp, who have come in as well. So thank you for that. Um, then uh, the <laughs> there's a ghost of Christmas is yet to come, the ghost of Christmas future. Uh, I will play her oh. in what is usually a silent role. Yeah, see. There's the question. In what's usually a silent role, we decided to add to that. Mo Kelly's on his way in, but he's stuck in traffic. He will be here as well. Robin Bertolucci, our fearless boss, is here. She's in the show as well. And then, of course, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't be complete without Neil Savager, the fork reporter, in the role of Goose Boy. <laughs> so we appreciate all of this. Uh, gather, uh, gather around the fireplace, uh, Pour some nog on the fire, whatever it is that uh, that you have to do. We're going to take this break just a couple, just a minute early or so, so that we can make sure we get that first section in there, and we'll get everything set up. Everybody gets their costumes on and makeup done and everything. Yeah, we. Uh, by the way, we've practiced nothing. Yeah, that, well, that's part of it. Is uh, I know that Dean had been asking. In fact, Dean's agent called me three days ago yeah. asking when the table read was. Right. And I had to explain to him the whole point is either it goes great and we win. Or it goes horrible, and we mispronounce things. What's and up with the dean's agent? He's then we also win. Pain in the bottom. Well, guy. his agent is his wife, and you're lucky she left the room before you said that. So I shouldn't say that oh. I practiced my tiny Tim voice? No, Blake, you should. You could. Okay. Yeah. No, it's okay to practice on your own, but in practicing in front of other oh, people would make yeah, it no. weird. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, that's I just make sure I do that everyone hates it as much as I do. Uh, yeah. As a reminder, if for some reason you can't catch the whole thing today, we're going to make sure that we podcast this so you can ch- take it with you if you're traveling at all this weekend uh, or next week or, hey, maybe in March you want to just uh, check back in and see how it's going. Get your weighted blanket. Right. And so everybody, we're going to go grab cookies and we're going to eat and we're going to get uh, get our show started here in just a few minutes. 
Welcome to Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. There are some things that never change. Love is one of them. And in those places where we find the most love, we can often find the most frustration. As we've seen for millennia, families can be both the greatest source of love and an endless well of frustration. Some of the most heated and grievous dust-ups occur around the holidays when our nerves are thin and our wallets thinner. But even in those times when Uncle Fred's farts sting your eyes and Grandma's vodka gimlet-flavored kisses drown even the merriest of us all, everyone agrees that the world's most beloved Christmas story is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. When Dickens presented this little story to the world 175 years ago, it found an instant response in the hearts of people everywhere who realized it was their favorite fictional chronicle of what Christmas is and what Christmas means to all the simple people of the earth. So without further ado, and with the spirit of the season coursing through our veins, we proudly present Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. Marley was dead wait oh yeah you're right the uh you forgot something yeah the trigger warning corporate wanted us to throw this in please be advised this production contains strobe lighting effects sudden loud noises theatrical fog slash haze season scenes of violence adult and oppressive language sexual situations strong smells adult humor and content if you find yourself becoming triggered or having feelings please find an officially designated gary and shannon safe space in the refrigerator at your local grocery or convenience store and now gary and shannon's a christmas carol on kfi Marley was dead. There was no doubt about it. A toe cancer spread to his brain and he passed in a hospital in Miami. But the spirit of Christmas... Uh, wrong Marley. Jacob Marley. Not Bob Marley. Uh, Nick, you guys... Not a good start. Uh, it's Gary Marley. I mean, just in terms of the script, we're keeping people's names in. So I'm not sure if I put it in there. If you're, You guys do have the same script that I do, right? Uh, you know yeah. what? Don't worry about it. Gary Marley, I will adjust on the fly. Excellent. Here we go. Gary was dead. There was no doubt about it. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Shannon Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything she chose to put her hand to. Old Gary was dead as a doornail. I, uh, sorry, John, can we just, in, I mean, just adjusting on the fly, let's just say Gary was on vacation. I mean, just in... It's a little easier Scrooge to swallow. Knew Shannon was d- on vacation. Got it. Of course she did. Excellent. Gary and Shannon were partners for years. Ah, but she was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone was Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve... Shannon Scrooge sat busy in her radio station, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's studio was open that she might keep an eye on her board op, Blake Cratchit, who in a cold and dismal little studio beyond 
worked on his ledgers. 20, 21, 22, Evan, no, 23, 26, 29, 9, carry 2, 11, 13, 17, 7. Make my wish come true. Blake. Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Scrooge. Stop that infernal caterwauling. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 9, 15, 17, 21, carry the 1. All the impudence. Coast plays their idiotic Christmas carols earlier and earlier every single year. They've been playing this damn music since the 5th of July. Blake Cratchit, turn off the damn Christmas music. Mrs. Scrooge, it's Christmas time. It's a time to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Such a joyous time for us all. And what better way to celebrate than Mariah Carey? All I want Blake, you're fired. Sure thing, Mrs. Scrooge. Wait, hold on a second. Uh, you're not fired yet. I need you to go down to the sales department. Tell Brian and Fran to get you the final copy for the commercials. They said it would be done two days ago. Brian's wife still recovering from the romaine lettuce accident on Thanksgiving. I don't care about his wife. I want my commercial copy today. Just thought it was being Christmas Eve, ma'am. Brian's Jewish. He doesn't celebrate Christmas. Christmas is big enough for everyone to celebrate. Christmas. Christmas. You mentioned that word one more time to me, Blake Cratchit, and I'll... Merry Christmas, Shannon. Merry Christmas, Blake. Merry Christmas, Nick. God save you, Shannon. Seriously? Bah humbug. Christmas a humbug, Shannon? I'm sure you don't mean that. No, I mean just that. Exactly that, Nick. Merry Christmas? Why are you so merry? Well, you have the right to be dismal about... what. What are, you mad, what are you mad about for? You're a popular radio host. It's um, Christmas. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. Wait, Nick. Why did you come in here? What, you want a Christmas gift? I just came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Shannon. Merry Christmas, Nick. A lot of good Christmas is done for you. You have to work on Christmas. I've always thought of Christmas as a good time. A kind of forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. Just like a Fierce Brosnan show at a seedy bar with a four-drink minimum. And just like Fierce Brosnan, Christmas has definitely never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket. But I do believe it has done me good and will do me good. And so I say, God bless it. God bless Christmas. Hurrah! Blake! Sorry. Let me hear another sound out of you there, Blake Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. Uh, not really sure what that means. I'll fire you so you can go celebrate Christmas, jobless, with your family. Duh. Yes, ma'am. Oh, don't be angry, Shannon. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. Sorry you feel that way. Well, I've tried. Merry Christmas to you, Shannon. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. Seriously? Bah humbug. And a Merry Christmas to you, Blake, and your parents. Oh, and to Tiny Tim. Same to you, Nick. Hi, Blake Cratchit. Fierce Brosnan is a stupid name for a band. Uh, Blake, what are you doing? I'm uh, I'm changing the thermostat in the studio since it's so you, cold in uh, here, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> you stop it right there. How can I comfortably wear Steve Gregory's Snuggie if you turn up the thermostat? Maybe you should mix in some long pants, huh, into that wardrobe? I'm sorry, man. My fingers are getting a little stiff with the cold. It's hard to run the board with stiff fingers. Oh, that's the studio hotline. Well, see who it is. Hello? Hello, my name is Christine. I'm calling on behalf of the Lobby Joe Foundation. 
We're a Canadian-based foundation dedicated to the freedom of all crustaceans and various arthropods. And I was wondering if I might speak to the host of your radio show. Oh, very good, ma'am. It's for you. Who is it? Excuse me, have I the pleasure of addressing Gary or Shannon? Seriously, Gary's been dead these seven years tonight. I'm Scrooge. Shannon. Shannon Scrooge. Uh, remember, we're saying it's just, I'm just on yeah, vacation. I'm fi- not dead. Fine. God. Well, now, Shannon Scrooge, at the this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate with a more developed limbic system should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and beans of warmth for lobsters. I mean, you may not believe it, ma'am, but right now in restaurants throughout North America, especially Canada, there are lobsters swimming in tanks moments away from being someone's dinner. Wait, wait, wait. I, I do remember you. You're that kook who lets out the lobsters, aren't you? Uh, like a crustacean version of Prop 47, 57, and AO, AB 109. You know, the, the ones that let out all the criminals, or, or lobsters in your case, just in time for the holidays? Well, there, there are plenty of restaurants, ma'am. And sushi houses. They're still in operation, I trust. I wish I could say they are not, but they are, milady. Oh, thank God. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said at first that someone was going to outlaw butter because it can be used to make that lobster taste so good. Well, a, a, a few of us, upon change, are endeavoring to raise a fund for further provisions, you see, uh, allowing not just crustaceans, but all of our animal brothers and sisters to live lives without fear of being turned into a bisque. So... Donation shall I put you down for? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Nothing. Oh, I see. So you wish to remain anonymous. I want to be left alone. You know what, lady? You're a nutbag. You really think a lobster cares if it becomes dinner? Well, I've never dared had my lips touch anything with a face. That's just cruel. See, if you donate today, you'll receive a Lobby Joe t-shirt, a Lobby Joe hockey sweater, a Lobby Joe mucklucks, and a Lobby Joe cooler to store your newly rescued lobsters who drive it back to the icy cool waters off Nova Scotia from whence it came. Yeah, uh, I'm a no uh, on all of that. Blake, hang up the phone. Well, I quite understand, Shannon Scrooge, and good afternoon to you. Christine, I couldn't help overhearing. Blake, hang up on her. And I would love to give a donation. Blake? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, it isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there are others in worse situation than I. I mean, I still live with my parents. I'm 27 years old. You are a generous fellow. I wish I might say so of your show host. Blake? Y- yes, ma'am. Good afternoon, Blake Cratchit, you little devil. Good afternoon. Blake. Merry non-denominational hollow celebrations. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yes, ma'am. Hang up the phone. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And look at the time. Now it's too late to have you go talk to Brian. He probably took off early like everyone else in the sales department. They'll be closed up for Christmas like those other fools. Speaking of which, I suppose you'll want the entire day off tomorrow? That would be so awesome. I mean, that's okay. It's not okay. It's not very Christ-like either. He never takes Christmas off. But I suppose I can't do anything about it. If you don't get paid for a day of work, you'd be so pissed. Well, yeah, most people... But you do want to get paid for a day of not working? Come on, it's just once a year. Fine, just make sure you're here all the other... uh, Earlier next morning, you understand? Like, I want you here before handles fill in. Oh, I will. I will indeed. Good night, Shannon. And, And Merry Christmas. Seriously, is that what we're doing now? Everything is Merry Christmas? Good Lord. Merry Christmas. Blake.
Stay tuned for the next stave of Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol when we hear Shannon Scrooge say... Three spirits? You mean like whiskey, gin, and vodka? Next on KFI. Welcome back to a Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. That Christmas Eve, the radio station was dim, the elevators dark. At the end of the workday on Christmas Eve, Blake Cratchit bounded down the back stairway in his T-shirt, short pants, and flower-covered vans. The S-eating grin on his face, belying the truth that he holds most dear. Christmas is his favorite holiday. He floated all the way down the 210 to the warmth of his parents' house, which is also his house. He lives with his parents. Shannon Scrooge, on the other hand, stopped by the mail room to pick up her weekly shipment of champagne and Chardonnay. Scrooge avoided conversations on the way home, which isn't hard to do, considering her resting bitch face. And when she got home, she clambered down her rickety old staircase to her dark and depressing Shan cave to fall asleep watching highlights of the 49ers. The old 49ers. The Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Dwight Clark 49ers. Gary, is that you? I could, could have sworn I saw old uh, Bah Humbug. Gary's been dead these last seven years. Vacation. Come on, guys, everybody change the script. That's what we're doing. I'm on vacation. For That's seven. what we're doing. We're changing the story completely. Humbug. All humbug. What I need is a good night's sleep. Oh my god, what what what's that? What Shannon. That? Shannon. <gasps> uh, Gary? Oh no! What what do you want of me? I ask much of you, Shannon. You ask much of me? Who even talks like that? Who are you? Ask me who I was. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. (laughs) All right, then. Who were you? I was your co-host on the Gary and Shannon show. Gary Hoffman? But you're dead. You died Uh, seven years ago. Uh, Just vacation. Because we decided death wasn't really going to work out. So just vacation. Wait, so you're not a ghost then? Well, actually, yes, you're right. Probably still a ghost. I mean, it works better in the story. So, okay, I'll go with ghost. What's wrong, Shannon? Don't you believe in me? I do not. You doubt your senses now, Shannon? Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. I'm six glasses of shard into the 1981 season. Not to mention the Moscow Mule mouthwash I accidentally swallowed uh, and uh, that light beer. So chances are you're just a, a pigment of my uh, shard nation. Okay, it's it's figment figment of your imagination and would a figment of your imagination be able to do this tell me something girl are you tired of this modern world no 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 stop i do believe in you 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 are a ghost thank you very much but why are you in my shan cave it is required of every person that the non-gender-specific spirit within him or her should walk abroad among their fellow person 
and travel far and wide to witness what it cannot share but might have shared on Earth and turn to happiness. I have been to Estonia. Are you uh, asking right, no. if I've been no. to Estonia? I know you've been to Estonia. You tell us all the time about the damn Estonian pancakes. Do you know that no space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities misused? But you were always a good man of business, Gary. Business? Mankind was my business. Non-gender specific person kind was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence, they were my business. The dealings of my trade but were a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Listen to me, Shannon. I'm listening to you, Gary, but don't be so flowery. I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance of hope of escaping my fate. You mean the fate of going on vacation? Yes. I mean, no, I mean, die, dying with regrets. I mean, listen, just drop the vacation thing now. I... You will be haunted by three spirits. Spirits? Like whiskey, gin, and vodka? I am in. No, you wish. Three spirits. Kind of like that weird baby that lives under your stairs. It is your only chance and hope. Oh, well, then I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow when the baby shark says... Do 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 do. Couldn't I? Uh, Can I just take them all at once? Get it over with? Like the entire Dennis Erickson, Mike Nolan era of the 49ers. Do you even remember who the leading passer under Dennis Erickson was? Tim Rattay. Tim freaking Rattay. That was torture. Look, but for your own sake, you'll remember what has passed between us. And remember, when the baby shark says do 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 do, look for that first spirit. Gary. Gary. Shannon awoke. She was lying on her Shan couch in the Shan cave, wearing her Joe Montana jersey, comfy sweats, and socks that read along the bottom, If you can read this, bring wine. Suddenly... The door leading to the Shan Cave slammed shut, and the stairs creaked. She found herself face to face with an unearthly visitor. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like a man. Its hair, thick and black and strong, the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the spirit wore dark-rimmed glasses. Imagine if Roy Orbison and Jay the movie critic had a beautiful Latino baby. Shannon Scrooge. (gasps) Who? Who's that? Shannon Scrooge. I have come for you. Oh, you, huh? Our, uh, Oscar? Producer Oscar, is that you? Are you the spirit who's coming was foretold me? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, not like long past. I was the producer of the show until the beginning of this year. See you almost every day. What, what do you want of me? Uh, what brings you here to haunt me? Your welfare, Shannon Scrooge. Rise. And walk with me through the skies. Wait, like Jasmine and Aladdin in the Disney movie? Are we going to fly through the sky? Superman and Lois? Uh, more like high-speed rail. We're going north, and we're going fast. Oscar, where are we? What happened to Burbank? Wait, there's a bunch of fog. Is that the Golden Gate Bridge over there? Oscar, where are we? These are the shadows of things that have been... You recognize this countryside? Uh, I know every inch of it. Every rock, every tree. 
And what about that bleak building over there? Oh, that's Francis Scott Key Elementary School. That's my school. The nuns absolutely hated me. All right, come. Let us go closer. Look through the window into that cold, barren room. What do you see there, Shannon Scrooge? I see a little girl. Wait, that's me. Back when my hair was actually blonde. And I wore that stupid Catholic school uniform. Tell us the truth. You know your hair was never really blonde. Shut up, Oscar. (laughs) Your lip is trembling, Scrooge. What does this image make you feel? Nothing, except that V-neck sweaters should have stayed in the 80s. Come, Shannon Scrooge, let's go see another Christmas. It's been one week since you looked at me. Got your hand on the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Easy. Uh... What does this Christmas make you feel? Oh, boy. This is a keg party at Chico State Sigma New House. Oh, check it out. There's that one guy we called Fezziwig. The guy could do a keg stand and empty the damn thing completely. Oh, what a jolly time we used to have. There's that carefree young woman with a light heart and smile. Do you recognize her? Yes, yes, yes. Merciful heaven. How happy I was then. And drunk. I was uh, pretty hammered that night. Pretty sure this was one of the nights I got a ticket for urinating in public. Welcome back to Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. of the mommy shark Shannon awakened suddenly and sat bolt upright on her Shan couch she remembered the words of Gary's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear as she rubbed the sleep from her eyes she realized her Shan cave had changed a door appeared under the stairs where boxes once lay stacked a studio door as if it were connected to her on air studio And from inside the door, a voice called to Shannon Scrooge. Come in, come in, Shannon Scrooge, and know me better, woman. You, you are a listener, aren't you, Carol? I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You have never seen the likes of me before. You're, uh, you're different from the other spirit. Oscar, uh, he likes to hug people. Please tell me you don't like to hug people. Nope, no hugs. Just life lessons. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learned a lesson, which is working now. If you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Shannon. Touch my robe. Hold on. I'm going to pull the car over right here. Uh, I'm pretty sure HR wouldn't want me touching a listener's robe. How about we just pretend I touched your robe and call it a day? Very well, then. Okay, so what are we looking at here? Where have you brought me? A humble dwelling on a humble street. Yet there is unha- there is happiness here. Who uh, who are these people? These are your the family of your clerk, Blake Cratchit. Oh. See his mother Pam in her I Hearts My Kids t-shirt? And Blake's dad, John, with the world's greatest grandpa mug. And Blake's little nieces and nephews are there. Let's listen in, Scrooge. Oh, Pam! This kitchen smells delightful. Leave it to the world's greatest wife to make the world's greatest Christmas Eve feast. Oh, 
Stop it, John. I just threw it together. It's God's blessings that make this night so special. Indeed. Truer words have never been spoken. I hope our boy Blake doesn't miss the beginning of supper. He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They should be along directly. Uh, you mean Blake took a turtle with a shell infection to church with him? Yep. I gotta tell you, Blake is a little obsessed with that turtle. Sometimes I think you're right, and sometimes I think, oh dear. What is it, Pam? If anything were to happen to Tiny Tim the turtle, what if his shell infection spreads? Mother, you mustn't even think about such a thing. Oh, here they come now. My boy and his turtle. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas, Father. Merry Christmas to you, son. So good to see you made it home safely. Merry Christmas, Grandma and Grandpa. All right, I'll play along. Merry Merry Christmas Christmas to you, Tiny Tim. Yeah, Tiny Tim. So how was church? It was great. And Tiny Tim was as good as gold. Weren't you, little guy? I sure was. <laughs> I hope people saw me there. Um, why is that, Blake? <laughs> was it me, Dad? That was Tiny Tim. Right. Okay. Uh, why is that, Tiny Tim? Well, don't. You see? Because I'm a turtle, and if they saw my turtle shell, it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who it was made lame beggars walk and blind men see, and who it was who made turtles. Spirit, tell me. Tell me if Tiny Tim will live, because I don't think I can stand to hear Blake doing this turtle voice for the rest of this uh, little dream. I see a vacant terrarium in the poor chimney corner and a shell without an owner, carefully preserved. Well, crap. That sucks. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, Tiny Tim the Turtle will die. And now, my dears, and with such a dinner, a toast. A Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. God bless everyone. Oh, dear Lord. And now... A toast to Shannon. Seriously? Are you sure? I give you a toast to Shannon Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. She pays you all of 15 shillings a week. I wish she was sitting here. I'd give her a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope she'd have a good appetite Mother, for it. it's Christmas Day. This is the only day when I'll drink to the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling woman as Shannon Scrooge. You know she is, Blake. Long life to her. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. She'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. And I say God bless Shannon, too. And everyone. Blake, we're going to have to have a serious talk about this turtle thing. What turtle thing? (laughs) Never mind. Just Merry Christmas. You see, Shannon Scrooge, there is nothing of high mark in all of this. They are not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They are not well-dressed. Their shoes are far from being waterproof. Their clothes are scanty, but they are happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and content with the time. And Blake believes his turtle has a voice. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, 
Not a creature was stirring. Not even a turtle. <laughs> My life upon this globe is very brief, Scrooge. It ends tonight. Whoa, tonight? <coughs> know this. I could rack up the frequent flyer miles by taking you all over, showing you people in dire circumstances with smiles on their faces, finding joy in the many people see at, seen as less than aisle conditions. But now, but know how this goes. I show you I show you people you think should be sad, and they are happy, despite their condition. Plus, like I said, I got to go. I know you got LDI on your face, but the ghost of Christmas present ages quickly, and there's nothing you can do about it. Are we talking 15 minutes, a couple of hours, what? Tonight at midnight. Hark, the hour has come. But what if I want to see more stuff? The more stuff you will have to learn from still another spirit. But since I've got your ear... Do you validate parking? Stay tuned for the next stave of Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol when we hear the ghost of Christmas yet to come say... And then we ended up doing it twice in the butler's pantry, if you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Next on KFI. (laughs) Welcome back to Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. With two of the three promised spirits having visited Shannon in her slumber, she rose once again from the Shan couch, searching the Shan cave for the ghost that had just vanished. And once again, she found herself in her crumpled Joe Montana jersey, stained sweats and funky socks. But when she heard the daddy shark... She remembered the prediction of her old partner, Gary Marley, and lifting up her eyes, she beheld the third spirit, a solemn phantom shrouded in royal blue, draped and stooped, slowly shuffling towards her, but with a regal nature, befitting royalty. Hey, wait a minute, spirit, I know you, Queen Liz! I'm not going to lie, Liz. If you're the ghost of Christmas future, I'm more afraid of you than any of those others. But I know why you're here. And time's a-wasting. Chop, chop. Let's go. Not so fast. I've traveled quite a distance from the ethereal realm to this dark, dank little, uh, uh, what is this, a basement? What is this place? It's my Shan Cave. Isn't it great? It's where I go to get away from everyone, everything. It's kind of like my safe space. I can come down here, watch football and more football, and everything just feels better. I I see. Uh, I also have what you might call a safe space. It's called Balmoral Castle. You see, it's a castle, so it's more like a... It's a safe castle. If you're, excuse me, sorry, pardon me. No, pardon me. <laughs> Have you been drinking, Liz? Oh my! No. Well, a little. I mean, just a little nip to keep the frost off me toes. You know, a little gin and tonic goes a long way. Would um, would you like a sip? Sure. Why oh, not? Okay. Whoa! What was in that bottle? Never mind that. Just look over there. Tell me what you see. <laughs> Well, that's Blake Cratchit's house. Again. Why are we here again? And what do you hear? Nothing. Why is it so quiet? Where is he today, Pam? I 
I have no idea, John. But chances are, since it's Sunday, he probably went to the graveyard. The shell infection killed that dumb turtle three months ago. Isn't it time for Blake to move on from Tiny Tim? You know how attached he is to that little guy. I've never seen him so mopey. Oh, Blake, where have you been? I've been worried sick. Your cereal's all soggy. Yes, I'm sorry, Mother. I went to the churchyard again. I wish you'd have gone with me. It would have done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is. I promised Tiny Tim I'd visit him every Sunday. Son, we are truly sorry, but um, what if we got you another turtle? What about a turtle named Tiny Tom? Dad. Blake? Are you still there, Blake? Dad, no. All right, sorry. Oh, that's cruel. Cruel, Liz. Can't you give me one ray of hope that I might change all of that? I mean, I'm not a fan of the stupid turtles, but that sucks that Blake's sad like that. Is there anything I can do so that Tiny Tim might live? We, we do have some other business to attend to. Perhaps another nip at the gin bottle. Don't have to ask me twice. Where are you taking me now? Well, doesn't this office look familiar? Hang on. This is the Gary and Shannon office. What do those people do? What are they doing going through my desk? I have no idea what happened to her. I just know she's gone. When did she get fired? I found out she got fired last night and threw a fit like red face, hair pulling, kicking and screaming fit. And you know she was swearing like a sailor. The guy from HR ended up in tears before she even got to the elevators. Oh my God, I can't believe she didn't even take this stuff with her. Hey, you want this unicorn puppet? I'm totally going to take the old pom-poms. Oh yeah, she totally wanted me to have this old Chargers helmet and look in the fridge, two full bottles of champagne. You know what? I think I was the only person she never called ass face. Well, that practically makes you <laughs> her best friend. Bottoms up. Hey, hands off the champagne, fart breath. <laughs> Watch this. Look at me. I'm shattered. Oh, blood. I see things on the radio. I swear like a sailor. I'm shattered. Let, 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 me, let me try. I'm Shannon. I know a lot about football, and I love Chardonnay, and a unicorn is my spirit animal. Look, 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 look. Hey, hey, let's dial it back, you ass clowns. Well, try as you might, they won't be able to hear you from this realm. This realm? What do you mean, this realm? We currently only exist in between time here. A dimension carved out of the universe from the material... Sorry, I'm sorry, that that was the gin talking. One last tug from the bottle. I'm terrified. Never stopped me before. One more drink. Oh, gross. It smells in here, and what is that sound? And that experimental banjo and kazoo concerto was brought to us by Modesto's own Flaky Skin Barkley. I'm Shannon Marie Farron, and this is Midnight Roadhouse on KMOD, Modesto Public Radio. Liz, Liz, seriously, are these shadows of things? Reminder that later in the evening as we travel this lonesome, dusty night together, 
We'll be joined by random long-haul truckers who call in and share their feelings in the segment we call Safe Space Truck Stop. 10-4, good buddies. Now back to our overnight special. New to Midnight Roadhouse and our Modesto Public Radio family, Chin Chin Percoletti and his sitar version of Justin Bieber Classics. I'm Shannon Marie Farron, and this is Midnight Roadhouse on KMOD, Modesto Public Radio. Liz? Liz? Are these shadows of things that will be, or are they shadows of things that may be? Oh, well, look at the time. I must really be going. Prince Philip has been begging me for a roll in the proverbial royal hay, if you know what I'm saying. Last time we shagged, we ended up doing it twice in the butler's pantry, if you know what I mean. Wait, no. (laughs) No, there is no way I'm going to do overnights in Modesto. No way. Why show me this if I'm past all hope? Tell me I can change these dreadful shadows you have shown me. I will honor Christmas in my heart. I'll try to keep it all the year. I'll be nice. I'll swear less. Actually, I'll try to swear a little less. Liz, please tell me I can change this. I beg you. We will continue with Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. We continue with Gary and Shannon's A Christmas Carol on KFI. Liz, I promise, I promise on my knees, I promise, I promise, I... I, I, Wait, is that O Come All Ye Faithful and the sitar? Hold on a minute. This isn't Modesto. This is Burbank. I'm back at the KFI studios. And the sun, the sun's shining. It's clear, it's bright, no clouds. What a beautiful day. Oh, glorious, glorious. Hey, boy, oh, boy. Uh, excuse me, drinks too much, Barbie. Who are you calling me boy? Sorry, but technically it's correct, Neil. What's today? Uh, what do you mean, like uh, National Insert Name of Food Day? I mean, what day is it? It's Christmas Day. It's Literally the most important episode of the Jesus Christ Show. I'm the producer of the Jesus Christ Show. Aha! <laughs> Christmas Day, then I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night, all in one night. Uh, how's that, ma'am? Listen, my lad, do you know where the poulterer is? <laughs> I don't even know what the, in the next street? A poulterer is. <laughs> nor I, lad, nor I. Keep calling me lad. Do you mean the Whole Foods? They sell poultry right across the street. Ah, an intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Tell me, do you know if they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window? Uh, the one as big as me? It's like slightly smaller than me. Okay, it's big, big for a turkey. Yeah, that one. I would pay to see a turkey as big as you. <laughs> hey, 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 watch it, Blondie. Yeah, there's a turkey and it's hanging in the window. That's awesome. Here's a couple bucks. Go tell them to send the turkey to Blake Cratchit's family and don't tell them who paid for it. Oh, and here's a unicorn sticker for your trouble. Wow. Thanks for uh, the unicorn sticker. That should go a long way. Merry Christmas. And a Merry Christmas to you, my boy. 
Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm light as a feather, happy as an angel, and I'm still slightly hungover. Hey, you, down the hall, Merry Christmas! You know what I should do? Christine, this is Shannon. Didn't you call here yesterday looking to raise money for Lobby Joe? Well, uh, yes, ma'am, but I'm, I'm not sure you're being nice to me. I mean, I can tell when someone is making fight of light of the Lobby Joe Foundation. Well, put this in your pipe and smoke it. Merry Christmas to you and Lobby Joe. Oh, well... Shannon. Allow me to ask your pardon, Christine. I want to donate 12 Gary and Shannon t-shirts to the Lobby Joe Foundation. Bless me, my dear Mrs. Scrooge. Are you serious? You're damn right I am, and I'm going to throw in a unicorn finger puppet that you can do with whatever you, you wish. Oh my, what a generous gift. You have changed the lives of countless thousands of crustaceans. Never again shall an orthropod be subjected to the tortures of a boiling pot. Yeah, gotta go before I change my mind. Bye, Christine. Merry Christmas. Next morning, Scrooge was early at the radio station. She went early for a reason. If she could only be there first and catch Blake Cratchit coming in late, when Blake did show up late, he was in normal Blake uniform, a Vans with superhero pictures, shorts, t-shirt, and hoodie. Blake! Yes? You're late. I'm, I'm very sorry, ma'am. Behind my time. You are. Yes. Yes, I think you are. It's only once a year, Mrs. Scrooge. It shall not be repeated. I promise. I was making rather merry yesterday. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, Blake Cratchit, I'm about to raise your salary. I'm not sure what's going on. Do you... Feel okay? No. I mean, yes. I had a great Christmas. You get a raise, and we'll see what we can do about that turtle of yours. Uh, what's his name? Tiny Tim. You want to help Tiny Tim? Of course I do. But before we do anything, why don't you go over there and bump up that thermostat a few degrees, eh? What do you say? Scrooge was better than her word. She did it all, and infinitely more. To Tiny Tim, who did not die, she was like a mother. A turtle mother. And she became a softer person, a good person, and as good a person as the city of Burbank or greater Los Angeles ever knew. Some unknowing people still flinched around her, shied away from her, but they were greeted with a warm smile and a warmer hug. She never saw the spirits again, but would often spend time in the Shan Cave, reliving one of the greatest moments in all of sports history. It will always be said of Shannon Scrooge that she knew how to keep Christmas well. If anyone alive possessed the knowledge, may that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim would say, God bless us, everyone. Hearing the catch twice. <laughs>